It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Twenty-nine other MLB clubs. Two-two pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back, gone for Yelich. Cody Bellinger hits one out. Pete Alonso, he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe, from spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. We have a monster Friday show for you. Eno Saris from The Athletic at 1.30. Kylie McDaniel from ESPN at 2. World Series champion and former All-Star. Shortstop for the 1989 Athletics. Walt Weiss. The president of the Oakland Athletics, Dave Cavill at 3. We're on it. And Hall of Famer. One of the greatest pitchers of all time, the closer from 1989, Dennis Eckersley. That is a lineup. And we're going to have a great show for you today. And so much to get into. Uh, David Force spoke on Wednesday to the media, gave us a lot of uh, things to talk about. I'm just going to say this, though. Aaron Boone. There's an article about Aaron Boone, MLB.com, Yankees. And he's got a quote in here that I absolutely love. And I'm not going to read you the entire quote. I'm just going to read you this. And this, this needs to be the exact same thing said to our Oakland Athletics. We will never run from expectations especially when we know we have a team that's capable of doing it. They understand that, they embrace that, and in this shortened season, we'll continue to embrace it. You're damn right. We got talent, we can play, and we're not running from anything. Let's go. Bring on the Astros, bring on the Dodgers, bring on whoever, Angels, Padres, Giants, Mariners, bring it. Let's go. 60 games. I almost feel like I want to get in front of this team and I want to say to them, act like you've been playing the past couple months. Because you need to hot. You can't start out 5-10 and 10 and go, hey, we're, we're, we're a second-half team. That ain't going to play. You need to come out of the gate ready to go. It's win now, every day, all day. And you got to realize one loss is going to be painful. It's got to be painful. And you got to kick yourself in the butt with one loss. 
So many times I've heard baseball people say, eh, you know, it's just the series. It's early. We lost two out of three. It's all right. No, it's not. It's only, it's going to be like football. In football, they have all these odds. If you start 0 and 2, 0 and 3, 0 and 4, 1 and 5, the, the more you keep losing in the NFL, they have the odds of you making the playoffs. And guess what? They get really, really bad. You drop to 0 and 4, there's only been a couple teams ever in the league who've ever got to the postseason. So 0 and 4 in baseball, I don't know what that equates to. Five and fifteen, or whatever. I'm just saying, you 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 start out slow, you're done. You got to come in roaring and ready to win. Commander Cody, how are you on this Friday? I'm great, and you're and you know you're mentioning the losing streak and the starting Owen the Owen four in the NFL. I remember a couple of years ago. I want to say it was the Washington football franchise there in D.C. They started 0-5, and, and then they went 5-5, and, and then they went to 5-8, and eight, and they finished 8-8. Eight and eight. And I remember those were the most remarkable things I've ever seen where you can start with, by losing five games, win five in a row, lose three in a row, then win three in a row, and finish 8-8. Eight and eight. With this season, and I read earlier, there was an article on Jason Stark, and we might maybe we'll get to it later. He mentioned that a seven-game losing streak will be like losing in 19 like, – I think it was like losing 19 games, essentially. <laughs> Like and he broke down like a bunch of the teams that lost that like 19 games in a season or 17 or 19, but still a long losing streak will essentially end your season. And we went over how how bad the A's have started over the years since Billy took over in 1998. And a slow start this year can't happen, and that's why some people in the media uh, nationally feel that they could be a team that struggles and a team that does well. So that's why they're. They can't. No one can really decide where they feel about the A's if they're going to be great because this is around the time of the year where they take off. But this is also a start of a season where they always start very slow. Can I play something from my computer with this millennial technology that you will hear? You can, but the volume might be kind of faint. What is? Do I need it? to turn my volume up. Well, no, I could. I can control the volume on my end. We'll see. What What All is right. it? I found. I, it made me think of this today, which is one of the great all-time NFL films, John Facenda, when you talk toughness and the will to win, you think of this guy. A certain magic still lingers in the very name. It speaks of duels in the snow and cold November mud. Lombardi. That's one of the great NFL films of all time. The Vince Lombardi tribute after he passed away. Speak, there's still magic in the name. Speaks of duels in the snow. I've been to Lambeau Field and it's real. You feel the man there. You go into the Green Bay Packer Hall of Fame, by the way, it feels like the NFL Hall of Fame. It's one of the most legit. Lambeau Field, if you can ever get up there, is one of the most legit experiences of all time. <laughs> there you go. There's 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 Lombardi right there. And Lombardi. you're right. The Packers have had what three quarterbacks since since the start of time. Uh, Bart Starr, Brett Favre, and and Aaron Rodgers. It seems like they've been the only quarterbacks they've had over the last oh, sixty the Magic years. Man? Dan Majowski. Majowski. What yeah. was his name? Does it, does it, how many Super Bowls did he win? That's right. Favre, Starr, Rodgers, 
Now, Jordan Love, but now I don't want to go off on a whole Packers tangent, but the Packers have had like three quarterbacks over the, the last 50 years, like the Steelers have had three head coaches. So today the rosters unfreeze in Major League Baseball. Will we see any signings? There's one guy we both want to see. Well, I at least want to. I know you're kind of excited, but. Well, I, I, I just, I, I, I'm doing it from a trolling standpoint. Oh, yeah, me too. Yeah, I would love to see Puig sign with the Giants and just watch all my Giant friends go, I can't believe they signed him. He, Bob oh. Garner hated him. You can't sign him. He doesn't get along with Buster Posey. Shut up. Uh, so, going to be interesting to see how this thing works out. So, a lot of people in the baseball media have probably, uh, well, so the A's will use the Raiders locker room. So, every single year, we get looked over by dermatologists for skin cancer. And all, all A's employees will go up and they set up shop. Uh, like they make like little doctor offices and the dermatologist will check us. My buddy PJ puts it together. She's wonderful. And, uh, so they check it for skin cancer and all. So that's really the only time that A's people go into the Raiders locker room, obviously, you know, having worked for the Raiders, but being going up there, it's a monster locker room because it's, it's for the NFL, but I don't know how other teams are going to be able to pull off the guidelines. They will. It's just most clubhouses aren't that big. So the A's may have to build some type of, and I, and I, was, I was comparing it to this. So the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach, when you first walked in, so they have that they have that little par three course. They built this monster. It's not a tent. It's like a building for merchandise. And you'd be amazed how big it was. If you went down to the U.S. Open, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You can build one of these things in the parking lot. And that's where the opposing team gets dressed. Now. I think it's going to be like Little League. Get dressed at the hotel. Game's over. Instead of getting into your parents' car, you get on the buses and you go back to the hotel, the opposing team, and you shower when you get back. I mean, I think that this is how it's going to roll. So the A's, fortunately for us, we have a big parking lot that you can build something like this. I'm not so sure, like, like some of these places are down, downtown ballparks. Like, I've been to Detroit. Don't know. I don't know how they're going to do it. I don't know how Cleveland will do it. Maybe Cleveland can put the, well, you can, I mean, basketball locker rooms are small. I don't know how they're going to do it. But they got to figure out how to build clubhouses probably for both teams in most places. Like Fenway Park? Fenway Park, literally, I was in a bar at Fenway Park. I know that shocks you. But I was in a bar, and literally you walk out of the bar, and it's like 12 steps, and you're there at, at one of the gates to go in. It's literally so old, and the streets are so small. I don't know how you do There's no way you have these guidelines, and you can have guys at Fenway Park. 
I mean, may, I, you may get to a point where you say, guys, you're not even going in the clubhouse. We'll set up treatment some other way. Now, what's interesting is how they travel. They potentially, because when you stay at bigger hotels, like NFL teams do, they basically take over a certain floor that where people usually have meetings and conventions and stuff like that. And they're all movable walls, right? You can have smaller meeting rooms or you can have bigger. And what happens with the NFL is they make one super giant room. Now, all the other rooms, they'll have like the coaches meetings. You know, this is offense, defense, quarterbacks, whatever. But they make one monster room and they make that for basically all the food. And so there's food there. All the food and drinks and whatever you need is in there. And that's where the players and the staff and everybody eats. And you're away from all the fans that are in the lobby. It's like one big mess hall. Well, you might be able to do that in hotels and make it one big uh, training room where you get your treatment. That, that you know, I'm just thinking about way you can make it happen. You can make anything happen you want. Now, one thing that we're not hearing and because, as I have said on the show, now that I'm able to go to the club and swim, I've got my uh, underwater Sony Walkman. So I can, I got ear, basically earbuds, and, and I can download stuff and listen while I'm swimming. And I've been doing it with Buster Only's podcast. And Buster's been, he's been very negative. And... The guys he's bringing on are being very negative, right? They're like, I don't know if this season's going to go. Five Phillies have tested positive. But what they don't tell you is their symptoms. And that, that to me, is that I would like that information to go along. Hey, three Colorado Rockies have tested positive. Okay. But these guys are in their 20s. And they're going to tell you, and probably what they don't want to tell you, is that a lot of these guys didn't feel it. They tested positive. They didn't feel it. If they did feel it, like, who are you telling me, Cody, that they said they had a little shortness of breath for a couple days, felt a little odd, but that was it. It was uh, Ezekiel Elliott of the Dallas Cowboys of the National Football League. He said It came out the other day that he said that he – I remember reading the quote somewhere, uh, might have been one of the beat writers from Dallas, saying that he felt a, you know, a day or two of a shortness of breath and a little fatigue, but other than that, he feels great. And he's passed it. And we saw Nikola Jokic, one of the best players in the NBA, test positive, but he's asymptomatic, so he hasn't even felt any of the symptoms. And he might be coming back to the U.S. To the US I think, next week. So we're seeing some guys come out. And we saw in Major League Baseball, Charlie Blackman, by the Denver Post, and it was re- reported by other writers that he was one of the – he's like the first player we've seen to get linked to the, a positive test. Like, And he's a bigger-name player. So he's the only guy that's actually been named – but you're right. None of the symptoms have been like how the, how these guys have felt. The only one I've seen so far was Zeke, and I'll see if I can find his quote exactly. Yeah, that's what I want to know. It's like, okay, test a positive, but how's he doing? I mean, it's just a reality. It's not it's not going away. And we're hearing about spikes going up again. I mean, it, 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 for the most part of what we've been told by the experts young people aren't affected as much. So if someone tests positive, you quarantine them, you help them out, 
and then you bring somebody up from the taxi squad. It just can't be all this, you know, oh, my God, three guys tested, shut it all down. It's like, well, you know, we got to protect people of certain ages. We know that. We know more every single day. You know, have guys in the stands. Have guys wear masks. We're not going to high five. We're not going to touch each other. The KBO is showing us you can do this. You're going to take guys' temperatures. You're, you're going to have guys take their temperatures in the morning. You're going to have guys take their temperatures when they get to the ballpark. You're going to have a taxi, quad, taxi squad. Let's say for the Bay Area teams, A's are going to be down in Stockton. Probably I would bet the Giants will be up in Sacramento. But I, I don't want these national columnists like Buster, who we all trust, be like, oh, my God, a guy tested positive. Okay, how is he? Because you're not hearing of any of these guys being in the hospital on a ventilator. That's the thing that I, you know, they make it real easy to scare everybody. But I think I kind of know from what they say that, you know, if you're in your 20s, even your 30s, and that's where the spike is now coming from, is younger people. But they don't, it, 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 it's not the same for them. It have, is going, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I'll wait. But I, I have the, the direct quote from what Zeke said. All right, what do you say? He goes, I would say I've had one or two days where I felt symptoms. Even then, it wasn't too bad. I had a cough and a little bit of sore, uh, a little bit of shortness of breath. But now I would say I feel good. I feel normal. I still can't work out. I've got to wait until I could have went and, and gotten retested this week. I just decided it wouldn't hurt just to wait another week and just give myself more time to rest up. But I feel good. So that's directly from Ezekiel LA Dallas Cowboys running back. There you go. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not trying to play doctor. I'm not trying to do any of that. I'm just, you know, what the experts are saying, and we need baseball back. We need to play. And there's a safe way to do it. And really looking forward to the day-to-day getting back into a routine. I mean, so many of us, have we've lost our routines. You know, another fascinating thing about this season is this practice squad, taxi squad, whatever you want to call it. You know, these young players that normally we wouldn't see, maybe we will see. I mean, maybe we are going to get a look at at, at Mateo, Caprellian, Holmes, Nick Allen. The guy that uh, I went to school with his mother and his aunt. Uh, I, I just I. And they're talking about a lot of a lot of teams utilizing young players. Because starters at the most part, especially pitchers, if you've got like top pitching prospects. And you can get a look at them. Cody asked me a question that will ask Dennis Eckersley. What do you think it's going to be like with no fan, no fans? The pressure. The juice, the adrenaline. X got a great answer. And that's why you got to stick around to listen to the Hall of Famer, one of the greatest pitchers of all time, Dennis Eckersley at 330. 
you know, you're not going to have, there's something about being in a ballpark and a full house and the pressure and the, now that's gone. So when we talk about a guy potentially hitting 400, what about a guy in a hitting streak? There's not going to be that juice in the stands. So as a pitcher, you may not have that adrenaline. As a hitter, you may not have that pressure. No one's in the stands. And I got a list of the best 60-game streak. When do you want to do that, Commander? I say we can maybe do it after uh, Eno if you want. I think that's where I have it slotted in there, right after we have Eno Saris on at 130. It's really good stuff. And we Oh, it's 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 got some historic names on it. Guys who had the best sixty game run. It's kind of it's a who's who's list in some cases. It's Hall of Famers. It's big names. Most home runs in sixty games. Best batting average in sixty games. Most wins by a team. Best on base. Best slugging. Most strikeouts by a pitcher in sixty games. Can we see some records here? And how are how are players going to adjust to this sprint and not a marathon? Urgency. Because baseball players like to say they don't have urgency. It's day to day. I can't worry about, you know, I can't worry about June and July. You know, I just got to worry about today. Eh. You start out not hitting in the first five games, boy. That's gonna that's gonna that's gonna get in your dome so fast. You go out your first two starts, you get lit up. Oh, by the way, you usually say, "Ah, oh, it's early." No, you only have ten more starts. The urgency of the season will be fascinating. Now, if you get out to a hot start, you're going to feel like King Kong. You don't get out to a hot start, are you going to press? And then what do you do if you're Bob Melvin? I love this guy, but he hasn't. he's not hitting. And we now only have 50 games left. I don't know if you can stick with somebody like we normally do. If you get out to a bad start. You know, I don't think you could do that old bad cliche. I just look at the back of the baseball card. He's fine. Well, the back of the baseball cards never had 60 games on it. So if you come out and go 0 for 16, what did you say, Cody? You you lose you lose how many games? It's like losing 19 games. I, 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 losing seven. I, I want to say I think he mentioned it as losing. If you lose seven in a row, it's like losing... Not, yeah, if you lose seven in a row, it's like losing 19 in a row in a 162-game season. That was from Jason Stark, which is remarkable. And, that, and, that, and that's going to happen to somebody. Yeah, I already know a few teams that come to mind that's going to happen to. Uh, your Pittsburgh Pirates? Uh, no, they're going to the playoffs. I already called it. It's going to happen, especially if they – with the uh, announcement from uh, – not confirmed, but there was reports out there that – the Players Association is willing to talk more about expanded playoffs. They expand to 16 teams. The Pirates are getting in, baby. They're getting in. And I'm going to – when they hoist out World Series trophy eventually, if the A's don't get there, 
to be the most exciting time of my life. But yeah, they'll probably lose seven in a row with the Orioles are, and Detroit. Are 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 we still going to have the three batter rule? That's a I haven't seen anything about that. Neither have I, because I'm wondering. We are going to see more relievers than ever. Uh, fact. And, and, and I'm just wondering, is, is contact going to become in vogue again? Because if you're seeing more guys throwing 100 miles an hour, it's just pitcher after pitcher after pitcher. And you got a shortened season. I don't know if you want to keep punching out. Yeah, yeah, home runs are great, but you want to keep going one for five, oh for four in a 60 game season. I just, I may be completely wrong, but I just got to think, man, making contact and putting the ball in play, especially early in the season, because players now, ah, I struck out three times, I'll go get them tomorrow. I don't know if people are going to have that kind of, uh, as you once called it, a loosey-goosey era. I don't know if we're going to have a loosey-goosey attitude in, uh, about anything in a 60-game schedule. Yeah, I think I think hitters are going to take the – because we've seen strikeouts go through the roof. We saw it last year. Where strike, I mean, we saw a, bu- a bunch of home runs, but the strikeouts in Major League Baseball have gone up uh, astronomically. And we a lot of that goes into you know trying to be the true th- uh, three true outcomes of the home run walk or, or strikeout. And these guys are throwing 95 plus out of the bullpen and starters, so I, I could I could I think a lot of guys are going to try to go back to. I wouldn't say we're going to see a, a lot of small ball, but I could see a lot of guys hitting more for contact. The the Whit Merrifields of the of the uh, of Major League Baseball are going to be a lot more popular this year, Mister 200. These guys are going to be I think more in fashion than a guy like Joey Gallo, who's going to probably hit 20 home runs, but he'll hit like 205, or Rugnet Odor, who's going to hit 205. One of those guys, it's all power and, and no contact. Where I think you're going to see like a guy like Whit Merrifield or even Marcus Simeon. He had a great, a good batting average last year, and he had a lot of home runs. The batting average is going to be important again. I, again, you, wow, you know how I wow. feel about, you know, how I feel are about you, batting average. But are you taping this show? Yeah, it's it's live as we speak. People are hearing me say it. Batting average will mean something this year. Wow, this will be where people I'm, evaluate players. I, I don't know about pitching wins, but that could be one, too, that people look at. Like, hey, Jacob DeGrom, is, uh, he's 10-2. and two. He deserves a Cy Young. Now, oh, now you want to give him the Cy Young because he won the most games in the league, but, it, but he was a bum when he only won 11 and won it. Coming up next, all these questions will be answered by our guy Eno Saris from The Athletic right here on A's Cast Live. Here's what we want everyone to do. Count all the hugs you haven't given, all the hands you haven't held, all the dinners you didn't share with friends, the trips you haven't taken. Keep track of them. Each one means one less person vulnerable, one less person exposed, and one step closer to a healthier community. So for now, keep your distance, but don't lose count. We'll have some catching up to do. Kaiser Permanente, thrive. COVID-19 is more than a health crisis. It's a financial crisis for many California families. In this moment, you shouldn't have to worry about keeping the lights on. That's why at PG&E, we want you to know about our programs to reduce bills for customers facing economic hardship, that we've suspended all disconnections because of non-payment, and we can help you save money by using less energy. 
To learn more, visit safetyactioncenter.pge.com. Right now, staying connected is more important than ever, and fast, reliable internet from Xfinity can help. We have plans to fit every budget, with speeds up to a gig, all at Xfinity.com. We'll ship you a self-install kit on us to make setup quick, safe, and easy. No tech visit required. And our simple digital tools will help you manage your account online. At Xfinity, we're committed to keeping you connected. Find great offers and value today at Xfinity.com. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. You don't need to understand how available adaptive variable suspension works or how pre-collision cameras detect pedestrians in low light. You don't need to understand any of the craft that went into the Lexus ES to feel it. With outstanding connectivity and standard Lexus Safety System Plus 2.0, experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. LSS Plus 2.0 and the pre-collision system with pedestrian detection are not a substitute for safe and attentive driving practices. See owner's manual for additional limitations and details. Chevron and its brands are committed to reliably providing fuel to customers, even during an emergency. The safety and health of workers, customers, and the communities where Chevron operates are primary concerns. In Northern California, Chevron and Texaco stations are open for business, supplying quality fuels in a safe manner. This is Chris Townsend for the Chicken Pie Shop of Walnut Creek. During these horrific times, people still need to get food, and the Chicken Pie Shop of Walnut Creek does deliver. Give them a call at 925-322-8799. That's 925-322-8799. Don't forget, their world-famous chicken pie and also all the other pies that they have, you can freeze and have for a long time. So give the pie shop in Walnut Creek a call. You call them at 925-322-8799. You can also get beer, wine, and spirits with your delivery. And you can check out the full menu, chickenpieshopwc.com. That's chickenpieshopwc.com. Hi, this is Eduardo Perez from ESPN. When I'm in the Bay Area, I make sure I listen to A's Cast Live. Ah, uh, the old KBO announcer, Eduardo Perez. I think Eno was on K- uh, the KBO broadcast this morning. Was uh, he really? Yeah, I saw him tweet something about, I'll be on the KBO broadcast at 5 a.m. if you want to see me. Um, so we can ask him about that as well. He's calling us. Oh, all right. How early is that? That'd be 2 a.m. here. That's a uh, well, early or late, depending on how you look at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm out by then. Uh, usually I'm up, but I've been going to bed more earlier. I can't play Moby the show all night. I have to go to bed at some point. Yeah, he's got, he was on with Book Shambi at 8 a.m. Eastern, so it's 5 a.m. here. Sorry, 5 a.m. here. 5 a.m. He's probably asleep. Oh, he texted me back earlier, and he retweeted our tweet. All right. All right, until he gets here. So the best streaks in 60 games. Batting average. All time. Rogers Hornsby Hall of Famer. Back in 1924, hit 466. And the last 10 years, the best batting average for... 60 games is Josh Hamilton at 427. And the king of the KBO broadcast, Eno Sarah, <laughs> joins us here from The Athletic. Uh, five. What's it like calling uh, a South Korean baseball at 5 in the morning? <laughs> Tiring. <laughs> I'm pretty tired. You know, got up early to do that. 
God. Like when, when we found out you did that, I'm like, I, I, you know, I support you. I'd love to watch it, but I got no shot at getting up at 5 a.m. <laughs> yeah. I actually kind of hemmed it hot and, uh, and wasn't sure I was going to do it for a little bit just because of that. <laughs> yeah. Cause you're doing it with Boog Shambi, who's in New York. It's at least 8 a.m. for him. I mean, that that's not too bad. Yeah. He still had to get up at five to, to get that going for himself, but yeah, it's more middle of the night out here, but it was fun to talk to him and talk about this coming crazy season uh, and, and watch a little KBO. So, you know, the last time we were talking KBO, we had Dan Straley on, we had Matt Williams on. Uh, so, so how is it going there in South Korea right now? Uh, it's a pretty good game, I would say. I, I, it's not, you know, you don't have the top-end athletes. You don't have the Mike Trouts of the world over there. But it doesn't also look like uh, college or low minors where um, – the talent level can be inconsistent and they don't necessarily have like a plan of attack when they get to the field. These guys are all pretty polished. They have a plan and they know what they're doing. Um, it's just a, just missing a little bit of the top end athleticism. Well, the pitching ninja on Twitter has been showing some of these guys and uh, some of these guys got, they got some really good stuff. A lot of movement. Yeah, definitely a lot of movement. You know, that can be related to velocity. The higher you, you go with velocity, the less movement you can get. There's less time in the air and so on and so forth, physics stuff. But um, they definitely have some cool pitches. And, and Straley fits right in because uh, that was one thing he was lacking was a little bit of velocity. But in terms of movement, his pitches always had great movement. So we, we've, we've been throwing a couple questions around today, and one of them we're going to ask Dennis Eckersley later on is about the juice you get as a pitcher when you come in and the, and the crowd's going nuts. What do you think that's going to be like now when you come in and there's no crowd? How much is that going to affect adrenaline? I did ask uh, a couple of people about that, um, and uh, they, you know, I had talked to Sean Doolittle about his difference in velocity between spring training and the big league and the, and the big league season, uh, the regular season. And he said that, you know, in spring training, you come in, you slap somebody in the butt, uh, you wave to somebody in the crowd, you, you get your throws in uh, and you get out of there. So he always thought that he had a couple ticks in between, um, you know, a couple ticks of velocity in between his season and it's spring training in the season. But when I talked to uh, people about this, situation um they said that the, the big toggle for them wasn't necessarily fans or not and that actually makes sense because it's spring training there are fans uh they said the toggle for them was whether it counted um and so they said that you know if i'm stepping in the box and it's quiet like if i'm sitting in the box and it's really loud i don't want to hear them anyway so he you know these players have said to me that like all that matters is does this does this at bat count then i'm going to try my hardest and do my best and then the slow start, you know, something we worry about with the A's and I think will be a worry for everybody, whether it's teams, it's players, because, you know, you and I have been in these clubhouses and guys get off to a, a bad start. Next, you know, they're using that bad cliche. Hey, I look at the back of the baseball card. This guy will get it going. Well, there's going to be pressure that if you don't start out, if you don't start out fast, this can get in your dome and teams can get left behind. Yeah, and I think that'll be interesting to see how teams work. And in fact, I wonder if 
some of the secret because for the A's, they have had some slow starts. And, you know, from a statistical end for, standpoint, I'd say you have to come up with a reason for why they would have slow starts. It's just the fact that they are Oakland or whatever, that wouldn't make any sense. Is it that the temperature is colder early in the season? That doesn't seem to be true. Like it's pretty cold in Oakland, uh, you know, at nighttime during the game time all season. Um, is it because they make decisions differently than other teams? That could be true. I think that they sometimes change their bullpen arrangements faster than other teams. Um, you remember Liam Hendricks rise. He was, you know, as soon as he came back throwing 97, he was back in the ninth inning and he'd just been released. Um, you know, yeah, he'd been released basically uh, two weeks or three weeks before. So, you know, I think that they make decisions fast. So in that sense, they might be in a good place because what you're going to have to do this season is make decisions fast. You're going to have to re- rearrange your bullpen really fast. You're going to have to move somebody in and out of the rotation really fast. You're going to have to, you're going to have to decide this guy's exit velocity is terrible right now. He's, he's not healthy. Something's going on. We're either going to put him on the DL or start mixing in this other player. And that's what you're going to see uh, because you can't just be like, okay, well, like you said, we can't just wait for the variance to even out and just say, well, we're 0 and 11 now. That means we're going to go 11 and 0 later. There might not be that later. <laughs> yeah, and then I'm wondering if contact by hitters will will start concentrating on making better contact because we've seen record number of strikeouts, but you don't want to get in that bad vibe not putting the ball in play, and next thing you know, you're 15 games in, and you're like, oh my god, I'm hitting a, I'm hitting 205. It's true. And there is actually some evidence that contact plays well in the postseason um, and that contact plays well against high velocity. And the league is getting to be a higher velocity league. And I think a 60 game season is going to feel like a postseason. You know, it's going to feel like September ball. There's going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be starting pitchers throwing three innings before the bullpen comes in. There's going to be openers, there's going to be bullpen, bullpen days. There's going to be, uh, closes throwing three days in a row. Um, and they're going to do that because every game matters so much. Um, and so I, I do think that maybe the, the, the contact team, the other thing that I'm thinking gives you an advantage in this season is youth and upper minors depth. Because if the players you have that are on your taxi squad or whatever we're going to call it, satellite squad, if they're good, um, and you, when you, there's going to be injuries inevitably and an injury like a two week injury in a regular season is a two week injury, two week injury this season is like a six week injury. Um, and so it's going to really matter if you're going to have some quality depth, some players that can step in and be good. And so I think like, you know, I think the A's have that to an extent, but, uh, when I think of quality depth, I think a little bit more like the Rays, the Padres, maybe, uh, the White Sox. Uh, these young teams that uh, have a lot of ready prospects at the top. You know, I just asked Cody this because we've heard about these new rules that are coming in. We're still going to do the, the the three batter minimum with pitchers, right? That's my understanding. Uh, and I also understand, I think, that the, the guy on second at uh, in the 10th inning, uh, we're going to put somebody on second in the 10th inning. I, I hear that that's an unearned run. Uh, so you can lose uh, a perfect game in this situation. Uh, and the other thing is uh, that that will go away for the postseason and we'll have regular uh, regular extra innings in the postseason. Yeah, and I think I even heard on Buster Only's podcast that because everybody's like, oh, if you got a really fast guy, you're going to put him out there. I think it's the guy who makes the last out in the ninth. 
he's the guy that's going to go out to second. Yeah, you would have to you would have to do a pinch a pinch run situation, and you know uh, this is relevant to the to the A's. The 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 larger roster that they're going to have, the thirty man roster they're going to have, it's only going to be thirty for two weeks, and then it's going to be twenty eight for another two weeks. So I think that's mostly going to be pitchers because as much as I would like Jorge Mateo and Franklin Guerrero to make both make the team, and they may for a short time, um, and then you could use Jorge Mateo in this sort of Terrence Gore, Billy Hamilton, pinch runner situation. Um, there's not enough value in that player once you get down to 26 man, uh, the regular 26 man roster to keep him on the roster. If all he's doing is like pinch running for you in the 10th inning, uh, it's you know that doesn't happen enough for you to to really keep that player around. What, what what's going to be the rule with this uh, taxi squad, whatever? How often can you come up and down? And if you go down, do you have to stay down for X amount of days, or you can just be bringing guys up and down as much as you want? I don't actually know that part, uh, but I do know that the uh, coronavirus DL is separate. So there may uh, there are probably going to be rules where, like, if you go down. Um, but then you're replacing somebody that got the coronavirus, you can come up the next day. Uh, because the coronavirus uh, DL that they're creating, IL that they're creating, is going to be kind of separate from regular IL rules. It doesn't have a, a sunset date, for example. So depending on how quickly you clear up, that's how you come back. It's not a 15-day DL or something like that, 15-day uh, IL. So uh, I think the coronavirus... And just the way that things are right now is definitely going to throw a wrench into the season. Um, one thing that I think is interesting that nobody's talking about, um, and it's a very uncomfortable question, but what is the number of players on one team uh, testing positive during the season where baseball stops? Because there has to be a number. What if 15 A's got sick? Like, I, I, don't, I don't think that the rest, I don't think the A's would be like, hey, like, let's just keep playing ball. That's 15. What is and the way that people train, you have like five starters, maybe the starters hang out with each other. What if the whole starting rotation goes down? Yeah, um, you know, so. you know, that, that, that was something that we actually were talking about earlier before you came on. It, what, what I would like to know is when you tell me a guy is tested positive, tell me how he feels. Because a lot of people who are in their 20s, when they get this, they won't even feel anything. So you tested positive, so we got to quarantine you, but you don't ha really have any symptoms. Ezekiel Elliott, the great running back for the Dallas Cowboys, said for like two days he had a little bit of a cough and just, you know, a, a little shortness of breath, and that was it. Now he feels great. So it's like it, the, the symptoms for your age group are different. That's why we got to protect people who are 60 and older, people who have underlying conditions. But if you say a guy tested yeah. positive and he doesn't even feel it, you know, so, so that's what I want to know. If a guy tests positive, I want to know what his symptoms are. Yeah, and also how does that relate to, like, how, how much they could spread it? You know, like, when do you decide they're not going to spread it? You just keep testing them until – they don't test positive, and then you, you put them back in. The tests aren't 100% either. So, um, you know, I, I understand that, like, they could play ball. It would be very frustrating to somebody who gets it. Um, and uh, I could I understand they could play ball, but they could also spread it, uh, and they could spread to, you know, like Dusty Baker is not a spring chicken, um, and he's going to be the manager for uh, the Astros. So, um, you know, he's going to come into some contact with his players. So, yeah, it's um, 
it's uh, it, it doesn't seem like likely that we're going to finish a full season in the playoffs. And yet, because it's been so painful to get here, uh, I would I just sort of choose optimism uh, because the other side is just we did the other side. That was the last three months, and it was not uh, not that great. I'll just say it wasn't that great. <laughs> no, I it, it was uh, it was horrific, and <laughs> I'm I'm I, 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 I've been telling everybody I miss keeping score. I miss working every day. I I miss my routine. Yeah, yeah, and the spring training is gonna be weird because it sounds like they're gonna have a maximum of three games in the entire spring training. So um, we're gonna have these shows and we're gonna update people as much as we know. But what will we know? Uh, we'll know only kind of what PR tells us. We're not going to be at the stadium for the most part. And they're not even maybe necessarily going to have games. Are they going to have intra-squad games? Are we going to get velocity reports? And we're going to hear that, you know, Madison Bungard threw three innings today? Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, I think the, the spring is going to be weird, too. <laughs> you know, this, whatever, the summer camp. <laughs> this whole deal between the players' union and Major League Baseball. It, it, it's toxic, but it's their fault. It's both their faults. And you just wonder, you know, at some point, they need to understand that their game is not bulletproof. And so they act like it is. They, 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 they act like they can do this kind of stuff and that the American public is always going to come back and give them money. I mean, we are at times, because what we're going through now what we're going to go through an election, we're going to go through the virus, we're going to go through all of that. And if they go into this offseason continuing to be like this, you, you can kill the golden goose. Yeah, and I think that it, it kind of seems, I think the players almost understand it more because the owners keep kind of doing this brinksmanship um, that they seem to be fine with like, well, you know, when I sell this team, it'll still be worth $3 billion. But um, at some point, if there's no, if there's like, if they'd had no play this year and then they locked out again next year, if you have no baseball in two out of three years, then the valuation of your team is going to go down. It's just not going to be worth as much, you know? And that's, that's what makes the world go round for owners is watching that, that value of the team go up. So the value of the team is based on, you know, them playing all the time and it being good. You know, we, we tried replacement players and it wasn't, it wasn't good baseball, you know? Um, so I think that I put a little bit more blame on the owner side. Um, but, uh, I think I understand it a little bit too, in the context of with this labor fight coming, the biggest give that the players have, the thing that they can give, and you have to give something to get something in any negotiation. And the biggest give that they can give is actually expanded playoffs because they don't want to do revenue sharing because they don't trust the owners to actually show them the right revenue and open up their books and really tell them the, the truth. So if you don't do salary cap and revenue sharing, the only thing they can do is expanded playoffs. We give you expanded playoffs and you double the minimum salary. That's the sort of thing that I see them doing. If they gave expanded playoffs now in this year, then they don't have it really to give again. And that's the whole, we know that we know they want to play but the rules can still be negotiated, right? I mean, we can still have different rules pop up on, on us before July 23rd or July 24th. It's true. It's true. That's why the DH is uh, going to happen for the National League this year, but not necessarily next year when we may or, or may not return to normal. So, you know, uh, that's 
they're allowed to do things like that. And uh, that's why the roster size uh, is what it is. And, um, you know, there's going to be rules about, um, you know, where people can sit. There's health-related rules. So, yeah, there's definitely a certain amount of rules that they can just implement. Um, but they're trying to do the, the health stuff. It seems like there's a little bit more cooperation on the health stuff. There's definitely been more back and forth. Uh, it hasn't been as acrimonious. We haven't heard as much about it. And they've got a 101-page document that's all about the different health things that, uh, that people will do, whether or not you can shower there, whether or not you can spit sunflower seeds on the ground. You know, the thing that I think about, uh, and I know people really don't want to hear much about labor, but the one thing that if I was an owner, what I would think of, and if I was a player, is we know the way the system is set up, it was to pay veteran guys. And really, your best players are in their 20s, in their primes of 26, 27, 28. You know, maybe starting free agency earlier and paying your players mm -hmm. earlier. I, I, if I was an owner, I'd rather pay for a guy in his prime than be paying a guy when he's 34. Yeah, uh, for sure. And that, that, that's the problem is that the system that they set up over time, if you showed it to me uh, as a fantasy player, I'd be like, oh, you know what I want on this team? I want as many people in on the minimum salary as possible. And that's now we now have 40% of baseballs on the minimum salary. And then I'd say, okay, well, arbitration is okay. So then the second best thing would be arbitration. Well, guess what? Two-thirds of baseballs in arbitration. That means that one-third of baseballs in free agency and some portion of that one-third is just like your million-dollar reliever. You know, your five, your $750,000 reliever, your, your $2 million back-end starter. Um, and, uh, and so really when people think that the players make a lot of money, they're thinking of Bryce Harper, but there aren't that many Bryce Harpers. Um, and so I think that that's why they, I would attack the minimum salary, double the minimum salary, because that's what people are being paid. Uh, and then if we could make, maybe everyone be super two or chop a year off or start, uh, your years of control when you're drafted so that teams are like whoa you know we drafted him we want to get him to the big leagues fast uh because now we only have six years from the moment we draft him um so that sort of deal uh, that's that's exactly what they need to do they need to change the structure of payment let's end on this who's the team that's going to shock the world i, I kind of like the padres i think it's going to be the padres it wouldn't shock the world if the a's did it right i mean they're, they're building towards something they obviously have the young arms and they have uh, the young bats and, and they seem like they're ready to, to do well. But the Padres are kind of everyone's, uh, you know, the, the, you know, kicking toy, you know, <laughs> like they're just like, you know, they're never good. And uh, uh, but they've got a lot of young arms. And if anybody goes down that rotation or if they start to do anything really innovative with their pitching staff, they've got so many young arms that they can keep running guys out there. Um, and if Manny has a slightly better year and Tatis takes a step forward uh, and that new, that new center fielder they've got does well. So I think that the Padres are my pick for surprise team. It, so, so Manny Machado is actually going to play hard this year? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know, some people's playing hard looks different from other people's playing hard. I think. <laughs> oh, 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 before we go, we're entering summer. What, what, what beer do you recommend to us in summertime? Um, well, I just, uh, I had a row, I see it's like it's some numbers. It's the, uh, it's the Russian river pale ale, uh, row 56 Hill. What is it called? I'm, I'm actually, I'm in front of my beer fridge. Here it is. 
Row two, hill 56. Uh, is a really good pale ale from Russian River. You can get it delivered. And then if you want a grocery store beer, uh, Golden Road has a, a mango cart uh, beer, which is just like a mango wheat ale, super light, uh, kind of fresh, kind of had it on the beach in Tahoe last weekend. That's when you were, you know what? That's when you are a real man. You've got a beer fridge. <laughs> and it's completely full. <laughs> like a, not even like the, one of those little ones. It's like one of, a big fridge. <laughs> that's, that's when you're a true grown man. You got your own beer. <laughs> Honey, don't put anything else in here. It's only beer. Yeah, she's always trying to put something in there, too. <laughs> you know, you're the best, buddy. Stay safe, and hopefully we'll see you soon. Yeah, all right. Thanks for having me. Great. Eno Saris from The Athletic. I don't have a beer fridge. Uh, I have a bunch of White Claw in my fridge. And no, wine. You, don't have a, you don't have a White Claw fridge. That's true. I don't. Uh, well, I mean, my apartment, I don't think I can uh, fit in another refrigerator in here. I don't even have a wine. We don't even have a wine fridge, which is something I'm going to have to invest in soon because now that I'm I, drinking more wine, I need to store it somewhere. I have a wine. I have a wine fridge. I've seen it. It's very nice. But I don't have a beer fridge. I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm not a I'm not as a grown man as Eno Saris is. That's pretty impressive that Eno has an entire fridge dedicated and to beer. A big fridge. I need to put one in my garage. There's plenty of room in there. Well, I mean, eventually there could be. Yeah, my wife's got so much stuff. It's unbelievable. Uh, I, uh, I was going to say, I saw an article. Susan put an article out talk, it's about um, the five questions for Ace Camp and talking about Stockton and all that. You want to hear some of the guys that she's learned that will be in Stockton? Yes. Uh, Dustin Fowler. He'll be there. Dalton Jeffries, two guys that I mentioned on the earlier on the run we talked about earlier. And apparently Tyler Soderstrom is going to be there as well. So the Ace first-round pick will be in Stockton. And Nick Allen and other guys. Nick, it was reported yesterday from, I saw it on Twitter from a verified source saying that Nick Allen was going to be one of the guys as part of the taxi squad, the A's number five prospect. Because remember, their top three prospects are already in Major League Baseball, Puck, Lazardo, and Murphy. And uh, Pawson's uh, like 16, 17, whatever he is. I'm joking. He's like 17. He's not coming yet. And then Nick Allen's fifth, and he's apparently going to be on the taxi squad. So that's good. And you got you know Nick Allen, so it's good for you. I'm happy for you. Oh, I don't know him. I just know his family. <laughs> uh, you know, Pawson, that's how you say his name, right? Pawson, the kid from, uh, he's from the Dominican, right? Yeah, because he was the number two. I, I remember they signed him for like $5 million, I want to say, or somewhere close to that. Because Dominguez, Jason Dominguez was the guy from the Yankees that got a ton of money. And they're already he's like the next Mickey Mantle for them pretty much because 17 years old, the Yankees threw a ton of money at him. They got him. And then Pawson was the next guy that the A signed right after that. I mean, how about that? The A's truly best prospect is 17 years old. That's the way baseball is now. Yeah. All righty. Let's get to the, the, this list here. So I told you Rogers Hornsby has the best ever batting average for 60 games at 466. Josh Hamilton, the last 10 years, had the best one at 427. On base percentage, all-time Barry Bonds in 2004 had a 613 on base percentage. My God. Joey Votto, last 10 years, 560. Slugging percentage, all-time best for 60 games, obviously, Barry Bonds 
1016 in 2001. That's Superberry. Giancarlo, don't call me Mike Stanton, did it in 2017. He had 824. OPS, all-time leader for 60 games. Who do you think, Cody, without looking at your computer? All right, say it one more time. All-time best OPS for 60 games. OPS for 60 games. Um, I- I'm going to go with Votto because he had the high bat. He had that high on-base percentage. Not even close. Uh, well, okay. It, uh, Barry Bonds just seemed like too too uh, easy of an answer. That would be George Herman Ruth. Better known <laughs> all, all as time. Okay. All time. 1,598 for 60 games. Wow. Uh, Last 10 years, best OPS for 60 games, Bryce Harper, 1,269. Most hits in 60 games. Who do you think? Without looking, I'm going to go with the guy that hits a lot. Not Whit Merrifield, but same position. I'm going to go with 2017 AL MVP, Jose Altuve. That would be Ichiro in 2004 had 121. Now, last 10 years, Jose Altuve with 103. I can't believe I didn't get my favorite player right. It's okay. Most home runs ever in a 60-game span, pretty obvious, going to be Barry Bonds at 37 in 2001. Last 10 years, most home runs in a 60-game stretch, Giancarlo, don't call me Mike Stanton again, at 33. Runs batted in all-time 60 games. Hack Wilson had 90. Yeah, he had like 100. He's the all-time single-season uh, RBI leader. I want to say it's uh, – I'll look it up while you go over the list. But he uh, it's the number's ridiculous. Oh, it's 190? Uh, let's see. Pulling up his page right now. Hack Wilson's record, 191 to be exact. I, uh... <laughs> it's a lot yeah, of RBIs. That was in 1930. At the age of 30. the last 10 years, it's our man Josh Donaldson at 68 and 60 games in 2015. Pitching ERA, this is insane. In 60 games, Lefty Grove and Fernando Valenzuela had a 0.29 ERA. Last 10 years, the leader is Jake Arietta, and 2015 had a 0.41 ERA for 60 games. Strikeouts, pretty obvious. Nolan Ryan at 142 in 1977. Last decade, that would be Garrett Cole and Corey Kluber with 133. And we'll end on this. Best win-loss record by a team ever in 60 games. It's a tie between the 1906 Cubs and the 1912s New York Giants. They were 52-8. and eight. And the last 10 years, the Dodgers in 2017, during a 60-game stretch, went 51-9. and nine. We've got to print this. Did you did – you t- We've got to have a copy of this and follow along the 60 games to see if anybody can can match any of these records. Coming up next, we're going to have another ESPN personality. Kylie McDaniel will tell us about the season, and we'll also get into a little bit about the A's draft 
and what he expects from the A's and everybody in baseball in a 60-game schedule. He'll join us next right here on A's Cast Live. Chevron and its brands are committed to reliably providing fuel to customers, even during an emergency. The safety and health of workers, customers, and the communities where Chevron operates are primary concerns. In Northern California, Chevron and Texaco stations are open for business, supplying quality fuels in a safe manner. Former 20-game winner and member of the Big Three, Tim Hudson was on A's Cast Live and looked back on his time playing for the A's. Oh, it was unbelievable. I mean, it was, you know, obviously my first chance to, to have a have an opportunity to pitch in the big leagues. And, you know, I, I couldn't have gotten into a, you know, drafted into a better situation with an organization that was going to give young guys opportunities to, to get to the big leagues, opportunities to get their feet wet, you know, and, and playing for a manager like Art Howe was, was the perfect scenario for not only me, but, any, you know, all, all the younger guys guys that came up through our organization you know it was a lot of fun it, we had a great time you know learning how to be big leaguers together you know it was it was truly a, a, a special span of about five or six years for us I feel like I still feel like there was a couple years that we were the best team in baseball we just couldn't quite get past the, the Red Sox or the Yankees or the Twins a couple of times but you know you look back and you know up and down those rosters and you look at the names and it's like man you scratch your head I, how in the world did we not win a World Series with with, with that bunch? You know, it was it was a, it was a special group. That was always a you know a special time in my life, and and uh, I look back on it now, and you know, it puts a smile on my face. To hear the full interview and much more, go to athletics.com/podcast. COVID nineteen is more than a health crisis; it's a financial crisis for many California families. In this moment, you shouldn't have to worry about keeping the lights on. That's why at PG&E, we want you to know about our programs to reduce bills for customers facing economic hardship, that we've suspended all disconnections because of non-payment, and we can help you save money by using less energy. To learn more, visit safetyactioncenter.pge.com. Where will you go first? Will it be familiar streets? or perhaps unknown roads. Wherever you may go, Lexus will welcome you back with exceptional offers on exceptional vehicles. Find out all the ways a Lexus can be yours at Lexus.com. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Here's what we want everyone to do. Count all the hugs you haven't given, all the hands you haven't held, all the dinners you didn't share with friends, the trips you haven't taken. Keep track of them. Each one means one less person vulnerable, one less person exposed, and one step closer to a healthier community. So for now, keep your distance, but don't lose count. We'll have some catching up to do. Kaiser Permanente, thrive. Right now, staying connected is more important than ever, and fast, reliable internet from Xfinity can help. We have plans to fit every budget, with speeds up to a gig, all at Xfinity.com. We'll ship you a self-install kit on us to make setup quick, safe, and easy. No tech visit required. And our simple digital tools will help you manage your account online. At Xfinity, we're committed to keeping you connected. Find great offers and value today at Xfinity.com. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. 
Hi, I'm Kathy Adams, president of the Oakland African American Chamber of Commerce. As the impact of COVID-19 grows, OAACC believes it is important that the African American community hears directly from us in regards to mitigation efforts you may enact it to reduce the risk to your family and loved ones. Recent data reveals African Americans are dying from COVID-19 at disproportionate rates than other groups. Experts cite diabetes, hypertension, heart disease, and lung disease as factors. It is imperative that we institute safeguard measures listed on the OAACC website. We will be conducting virtual forums with African-American experts sharing how we must conduct ourselves during this pandemic. OAACC has taken up the mantle to be caretakers for our community. Visit us at OAACC.org. Hi, this is Ramon Laureano. And the throw is going to be in time at the plate. Laureano firing a strike all the way on the line. And you're listening to Ace Cast, your 24-7 destination for Ace Baseball. Hey, have you seen the story about Andrew Tolles? Former Dodger. I know who he is, but I haven't seen the story. What happened? So he was found sleeping behind a Florida airport, then arrested in jail when he refused request to leave. Played for the he last played for the Dodgers in 2018. And he's on the restricted list. He never reported to spring training in 2019, citing personal issues. According to the Miami Herald, Tolls was found this week sleeping behind the Key West airport with just a, a black book bag on his arrest report. Police listed his address as the streets of Key West. I think you're dealing with mental illness here. This is a sad story. My God. I want to be positive, though. I just saw this on Twitter. It just came down. I want to be positive. Let's talk a little baseball. He doesn't. He, he was originally with uh, Fangraphs. Is that correct, Cody? Yeah, he was with Fangraphs, and then he joined uh, Kylie. Then Kylie joined ESPN, and he was on their draft night coverage with Carl Ravitch, not friend of the program yet. Carl Ravitch, that is, and uh, he did a great job on TV. Here is my interview earlier today with Kylie. Kylie, thank you so much for coming hey. on the program. How are you? Doing good, all things considered. How about yourself? Uh, just excited to think that we may have baseball, that we finally got through a uh, labor discussion, which nobody wanted to hear. No one wanted to be a part of it. And the fact that we now have some dates to look forward to. Yeah, and I just finished the writing and submitting an article uh, to my editors about, like, you know, which prospects will, you know, sort of benefit or be heard from this uh, short season setup and which ones may be, you know, up on opening day and which ones may come up later and what the strategy is about setting your 60-man pools. And I was like, oh, this is like this is like short-term baseball analysis. I haven't done this in a while. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's crazy. You know, I, I listened to uh, Buster's podcast where I don't know who brought it up, but they're like, you take a team like the Padres, who have all of this talent in the minor leagues, could we be seeing some of these guys? Yeah, no, that's one of the one of the big points is I think that Mackenzie Gore and Luis Patino, who I think are two of the what top five pitching prospects in baseball, uh, they are two of their top fifteen or sixteen, however many pitchers they end up carrying at the beginning of the year. 
there are two other top 15 or 16 pitchers in their whole system. And so the question then is, well, if they pull them up on opening day, uh, do they then think that they'll be one of their top 12 or 13 pitchers a month into the season when the rosters get smaller? And I think it probably, they probably are. And do they want to deal with the ramifications of service time, which last year they put Paddock and Tatis Jr. on the roster on opening day and ignored that stuff. So it would seem like they are best positioned to sort of take advantage of the situation and get more service time this year than they would have last year. You know, there's certain situations that we, when we were looking at a 162-game season, there were certain front offices who were under the gun. And it was like, you got to win or you're in trouble. Do you think those teams, whoever they are, and I'm thinking one was definitely uh, down in San Diego, A.J. Preller, do you think those guys are still going to be under the same pressure with just a 60-game season? I think with San Diego, they won't be uh, because everyone knows over 60 games, it's not as much a measure of your talent uh, than 162 is. Uh, I think where he was from sort of what I was hearing industry chatter is if they won, you know, 72 games and lost 90, there's a chance he might get fired. But it was like as long as they're, you know, in the 80s, in the race until late, that kind of thing, as long as they're making positive movements, like their, their team wasn't going to be peaking this year. They're just sort of moving in that direction. Whereas a team like the Angels, you got Billy Eplers in the last year of his deal. Um, you know, some rumors about how that was going to be played and how Artie Moreno has been, you know, handling all of the, um, you know, furloughing scouts and things like that. Um, that, you know, that team maybe needed to win something. And in a shortened season, it's like if you just get off to like a slow first 20, 25 games, and it's like, well, you know, now it's almost impossible to do well because then, you know, maybe, maybe you're incentivized to start selling or, you know, whatever that may be, which also even the idea of selling is, you know, trading short-term big leaguers, teams may be hesitating to trade for players that are from outside their bubble. You'd be trading them for minor leaguers who aren't playing right now. Like even that concept is like sort of foreign this year. Or you're trading for guys who are somewhere else on a taxi squad. Which from what I've heard, scouts are not allowed to watch them. So unless they're playing in a big league game, it doesn't matter if they're playing or not, or if they're playing, you know, pickup games at home or they're playing on the taxi squad or in the alternative site, like you're not watching them either way. And so the idea that you're going to trade like a, you know, a good big league player that's in the last year of his deal and you're then going to bring someone probably into your 60 man pool to get a look at him. And you don't know what you're getting. You haven't seen them play in whatever it is, eight months. Like it's, it's sort of nuts to think, but that's like, you know, normally you have like just never ending data and looks on these guys. And sometimes teams still are like, Hey, we're talking to this team. Let's go send some scouts to watch the players even closely more closely for the next week before we make our decision. And it's like, yeah, you haven't seen him at all. Like, you better hope he had good reports in the past and you trust that his makeup's good enough that he's probably in good shape now. If he's injured, I guess you find out later and you have to, like, work it out. Like, there's just a lot of problems. Yeah, before I start asking about our Oakland A's, uh, I, I look at this August 31st trade deadline, and I just wonder, will this be the time that teams are going to do some salary dumps or player dumps? And two guys – you know, uh, Francisco Lindor comes to mind. Nolan Arenado's had his issues with the club after signing that monster deal. Could we see some big names be traded because teams want to off some salary on August 31st? Yeah, there was a lot of, uh, I'd say, smoke, if not fire, to Arenado being on the block uh, with talks around Chris Bryant with the Cubs, which sort of on its face seems, you know, a little nuts. Um, but the idea was basically that the Rockies could get out from under that big long-term commitment and that the Cubs wouldn't mind taking it on to get a premium player because they only have Chris Bryant for two more seasons. And so getting Arenado for longer than that and being a you know comparable, if not better, player 
state of mind paying the higher freight, but now it's like nobody would take that much money uh, for, for any player, really, just because you have no idea what the market is for that player. Like there's, you know, teams like the White Sox and the Reds who basically have been like loading up for multiple years to finally spend on the free agent market to, you know, po- hopefully have a contender and fill in all those holes. And they paid it free pandemic prices. And now, you know, the prices, the market will be lower. We don't know how much lower. We don't know how much they ultimately have overpaid given what the market will be this off season, but it's going to be way lower. Like there's just some things and same thing with like the Dodgers trading for Mookie Betts. Like they're going to get 60 games of him. We hope we get in a full season and he can contribute to a world series and ultimately do what he was going to do was expected to do. Um, but you know, if he gets, you know, hurt and misses a month, that's half the season now. Like the, just the margin for error is uh, so much lower. And you just wonder, I, I don't know what the dollar amount is that he turned down from the Boston Red Sox. I, I don't know if he's going to be looking back and going, man, COVID did me in because he's looking for, I don't know, Mike Trout money or close to Trout money or close to 400 million. I, I don't know if anybody's going to be giving out any big deals next year or the next couple of years. Yeah, somebody uh, in the industry said to me that they wouldn't be surprised if guys like Betts or George Springer just take one-year deals for $30, 35000000 and then try to hit the market for the huge deal when things have like stable, hopefully stabilized a bit, which I think makes some sense. You could also make the case, I mean, Trevor Bauer is, you know, has said that he plans to just go year to year for the rest of his career um, because, you know, he sort of believes in his talent and his longevity and things like that. And you end up making more money if you do that. You just take on a lot of extra risk. And I wonder if some players look at the current market uh, or the, I guess the future market next off season. And they just say like, Oh, the money I want and the years I want aren't there. Why don't I just go year to year? Because I think I'm going to beat whatever's available now. If I go year to year. Now you guys did an article where you're doing predictions and I can tell you in our world, obviously we know last 20 years, the A's don't get out to hot starts. It's, it's like right around June uh, they start getting hot, and then they're always one of the best teams in baseball when they get to the postseason. Uh, we got to hope that they, they they start out midseason form because you can't start out. If you 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 start out slow, it's going to be death. I mean, you, you, you won't have the time. So what do you think about the A's in this 60-game season? Uh, I would say in general what you would want – and this, you know, this advice sort of around the league differs on like what team is best positioned to take advantage of these sorts of things. I think having younger players, especially younger established players, so they both sort of know their bodies and, you know, know how to bounce back or mentally strong, but have the sort of, you know, younger, younger bodies that are going to bounce back more than, you know, any 36 year old maybe just be reaching uh, their limits at any point. So having, you know, core guys like Puck and Lazardo, um, guys like, you know, Olsen and Chapman that are those sort of like young everyday players that also have some track record. Uh, it seems like the pieces are there. Uh, another thing that's in this article that'll probably go up early next week on ESPN is executives are talking about the idea of variance being a good thing that especially if you are a fringe contender or in the case of the A's, a team that doesn't have the you know, the money to go out and sort of, you know, buy guys or bad contracts at the trade deadline. Uh, having a lot of young players is good. The Padres are another example of this because the variance that they offer in a lot of cases will replace the trade market. And so if Lazardo and Puck are, you know, going to be, you know, Cy Young level pitchers for parts of a season, it, they could both be that good for the 60 games of the regular season. The odds of them being Cy Young level guys for 200 innings in their first full season are pretty low, but for, you know, any 60 game stretch, there's a shot. And so the more of those, you know, young upper level type guys that you can justify putting in the big league roster, 
anyone that is not the Dodgers, the Yankees, maybe the Astros that are expected to be there, anyone who's just below that level will benefit from having a little more variance introduced from young players because if it turns out they're not performing well, you probably have some inventory, you know, kind of foray guys you can bring in as a stabilizing force that's in your 60-man pool, you know, to be fine if it turns out the players are a disaster and they need to be sent down. Uh, but the chance that you might catch lightning in a bottle with a couple young players with, I think, Lizardo and Puck being a good example, you know, if they both just have, you know, first full seasons akin to what Olsen and Chapman did, like, you know, then you're, then you're really running into something there. And so I think that uh, that sort of good version of variance uh, gives you some hope to sort of hang your hat on. Yeah, that, that was, a, you know, down in spring training. It, it, one of the number one questions was how many starts and how many innings are you going to allow these young guys to go? And if, if there's any positive of COVID-19 for the athletics is that now we don't have to have that conversation. You can look at A.J. Puck and Jesus Lazardo and say, you're taking the ball every five days. It's 12 starts. Let's go. And even the most veteran guys may not be quite up to throwing 110 innings on opening day. And so if you then say, oh, it's a 60 game stretch and you're going to be going kind of limited innings as you get into shape at the beginning, like every player, even guys in a ball can handle that workload. So as much as, you know, nobody wants to, you know, pound their chest and be like, oh, we are positioned well while the, you know, the country is falling apart. Like, obviously these are, you know, as you get down a few levels of the hierarchy of needs. Uh, you know, this baseball team being well positioned is one thing, but you know, as long as we're <laughs> as long as we're couching in, in in terms of when it comes to baseball, who is benefiting from the uh, the current setup of how the rules will be different, uh, then yeah, you could argue that you know I think the Padres and maybe Tampa Bay Rays are near the top, but I'd say the A's are in that top tier of teams that I think can uh, you know can bounce back from uh, the situation maybe quicker than, than some other teams would. Do you think we'll see a guy hit four hundred? That's another one where it makes me wonder. Um, you know, there's some ideas in science of like how sometimes uh, entities will act differently when they know they're being watched. Um, and I think if a player knows he's only playing a 60 game season and he knows that 400 is sort of on the table now in a way that it isn't normally, I wonder if some hitters sort of approach hitting differently, knowing, hey, if I go for a little more contact and try to hit that line drive instead of that home run or you know, instead of doing that, you know, we ground out second base to move the runner over or take the sacrifice that'll be, you know, drawn up as a sacrifice and not count as a over one. I wonder if now some of those guys that could make a run at that will act a little bit differently because they know 400 is a chance where in a normal season, those things are normally the difference between 335 and, you know, 342. It's, you know, not, not really notable in a way, whereas now it's, you know, it'll be a little bit of an asterisk if it's only 60 games, but not many guys have been able to put together 60 games at any point in any season recently of hitting 400. And I would guess the odds are a little bit higher that someone does it this year. Um, but yeah, you know, you never bet on that happening, but, but yeah, I wonder if a bunch of guys will get off the hot starts and that'll then become like a real conversation. And, and this is something we asked Dennis Eckersley and it applies to hitters. Also no fans in the stands. There's no, you know, no, no standing ovations. There's no, yeah cheering for you and 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 Eck talked about how he thrived off the crowd that's where he got his juice his bravado I mean so for, as a hitter if you're hitting 400 no one's in the stands no one's applauding no one, you know you're we're, you're gonna have very limited media to talk to so it'll be it'll be interesting to see how these guys perform when you don't have the media on you all day long you don't have fans in the stands what's that gonna be like yeah, you could argue that, you know, relievers will probably throw a tick slower just without the, you know, maybe they get their, you know, their walk-in music, but they're not going to have the crowd going. Like maybe there's a little less juice on that fastball for all pitchers. And then hitters, they have a little less, you know, noise to deal with, like less distractions. 
and then um you know you you, you kind of wonder when uh if there's like a, you know a 25 game hitting streak and the entire you know stadium for every at bat for that player is sort of holding their breath and there's like the exhale when he finally gets the hit like maybe that like level of tension and pressure to like keep a hitting streak going you're basically just trying to keep the guys in your own dugout from making it a thing or like chanting for you or you know holding up signs like oh you know i'm not gonna act like i've you know i've ever had a 30 game hitting streak in the big leagues i'm you know terrible at baseball um but yeah you wonder if there's like those little um those little subtle changes to the mental approach for a player can manifest in ways that are real like there's gonna be you know multiple 40 game hitting streaks this year or something like something you wouldn't expect to happen happen because of just a bunch of little differences so we're talking about fans sending in pictures and we make cardboard cutouts of the fans and put them into the seats our our, our actual own fans yeah, that's uh I mean it's better than the was it the Taiwanese or the Korean games where they had uh you know uh, dolls that are made for other uses that were uh, set up and they had to be uh they had, they had to look for some other alternative ways to get bodies in the stands. It's uh it's unusual but I'm I'm sure it'll it'll basically look like the crowd in like a poorly drawn video game where everyone just looks like a, like a cardboard cutout that's waving their arms the entire time no matter what's happening. Uh it'll it'll probably be sort of as as jarring as that is. Let's end on this. It's been a while. We haven't talked about it, but uh, the draft, only five rounds, uh, very odd. What did you think of the A's draft? So I liked what they did. I I said before the draft that I think there was a lot of value this year in going uh, into a drastically over or drastically under slot sort of situation, because given all of the difficulties with communication and adjustments and not having enough looks on players, most teams would play it straight. And so there was some value in sort of shopping at players that were better than your slot or worse than your slot because there'd be fewer teams calling those players. So I think uh, the first pick taking Soderstrom, I thought he was, I think I had him ranked like 12th overall and they got him at 26th. I think I was probably higher on him than most, uh, you know, analysts and whatnot. Uh, but I think he was a pretty consensus, at least 15th to 20th overall player. And the sort of accomplished high school hitter, multi-positional chance to catch, um, and all the different things happening in terms of like, um, uh, you know, automatic strike calling and things like that, give him an even better chance to stick, uh, bet, betting on the accomplished high school hitter and getting the guy that is in that sort of top tier of talent when you're picking late in the round, I think is exactly what you want to be doing. Um, beyond that, it wasn't necessarily, uh, you know, all inspiring, but they're also lower picks. Jeff Criswell, you know, big time stuff. I'm not sure if he's going to be a starter, uh, you know, accomplished guy at Michigan, Dane Acker, uh, JT guy that wasn't drafted high enough last year at Oklahoma, had a perfect game against LSU in one of the few games this year. Stevie Emanuel's out of Washington. Look, he might be a second-round pick out of the Cape. And then uh, Velocity was down a little bit this spring. There's a chance that Velo would have come back in a full spring and he would have gone higher. Uh, and then the guy they went under slot with, Michael Goldberg, uh, to pay for Soderstrom. Uh, high contact, high character, high work ethic, all that sort of, you know, gritty type things guy. Might be a left fielder without a lot of power, like sort of a reserve outfielder type profile, but there's a chance this guy can be, you know, a solid big leaguer. Um, I think they did a nice job getting, you know, mostly college, I guess, other than Soderstrom, getting some college talent with a high floor, has a little bit of ceiling, and then making Soderstrom kind of the centerpiece of the class. So I, I haven't been following this part, and I'm not sure how many, because with only five rounds after that, you could sign a guy for 20K. How many people are saying, ah, I'm going back to college or a high school kid going, ah, I'm going to JC or I'm going to college. What, what, what have the signings been like or non-signings since the draft? 
Uh, it's been there have been a handful of players that I think in a normal draft would have signed for that past the tenth round exempted bonus, which is one hundred twenty five thousand dollars. So a lot of teams have the okay from their owner to say, hey, if there's a guy that you're going to give enough time, like give them, you know, a rotation spot, one of your three or four best relievers or one of your nine everyday players at any one of our minor league teams, you can pay them 125000 And so a lot of teams, they just, you know, they draft their top 10 rounds and then they give out $125,000 bonuses as far as they have basically playing time in the minor league system. And then beyond that, they sign, you know, $1,000, $5,000 seniors to fill in. And those guys are sort of signed to be released. Like they're there to fill in and maybe not even play very much. Um, the $20,000 player, a handful of them, maybe 10, 12 of the ones that have signed are those $125,000 players that either were coming off an injury, were already 22 years old, or 23 in some cases, or just thought that they would you know, perform better, improve more in a pro environment than others. The vast majority of them are more of those five to $10,000 players you sign as fillers that the team that got them thinks they're maybe $50,000 players. And so getting them for 20000 is you know, maybe a little more than some teams would pay, maybe a little less than the team that signed them would pay. But ultimately, they're not as good as those players that would normally get 125000 that populate around 10 to 25 generally. And if those players are, you know, you sign the guy for one twenty five and he ends up being your 58th best prospect, and maybe if you're in trade talks some team doesn't even give him any value, that's the guy you're getting for five times as much money, I guess even more than six times as much money as the $20,000 guys. And so it's those handful, those 8 to 12 guys that are actually even worth the one twenty five. Uh, that signed after the draft that actually make any sort of difference at all. And it's usually a function of the teams that paid their minor leaguers. They kept their coaches. Uh, they have good player development. Maybe they don't have the best system in the world. So you might move quickly. It's the teams that had those sorts of uh, characteristics are the ones that had the edge. Cause you know, those players are worth 125. They're getting offers from multiple, maybe dozens of teams. Hey, great stuff as always. We love having you on the program and uh, hopefully the next time we have you on, we're actually talking about games. We'll be talking pennant race and yeah, who's, who's going to be the fifth starter? Yeah, all kinds of crazy stuff that I've totally forgotten how it works. <laughs> hey, take care, be safe, and we'll talk soon. Yep, thanks, man. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I can tell you that. I can't wait. Just to see all the different moves and just to, just to see how all this is going to work and just the urgency of of playing. I mean, really not going to have many days off. And every win is so big. So if Jason Stark, Cody, said losing seven straight is like losing 19 straight in a regular season, that means winning seven straight would mean a 19-game winning streak. You're you're up there with the 2001, uh, 2002 Oakland A's and the, was it, 2018 Cleveland Indians that broke the A's record, won 22 straight, and and then immediately lost the next day, kind of like the A's. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, I mean, if you're going off that logic, that's right. And it's gonna be funny if it's a team like Baltimore that wins seven in a row, and it's like, oh my, oh, they're they're gonna do it. They're gonna make the playoffs, and then they subsequently lose seven in a row, and it's like, yeah, they're the most mediocre team ever. But you're gonna see. Uh, I think we're gonna see a team like the Dodgers win seven plus. Maybe the Yankees if the if uh, John Carlos Stanton and and Judge stay healthy. Because earlier it was funny, you mentioned you were like, Giancarlo uh, Stanton. I was like, oh, no. Is he hurt again? You didn't, you didn't have to say anything else. I was like, oh, no. Is it, is it, are you going to tell me he's hurt? Let's reminisce about the 1989 A's, one of the great teams of all time. Next, we're going to have Walt Weiss on the program right here on A's Cast Live. 
Hi, this is Shamanaya. Shamanaya has no hit the Red Sox. And you're listening to A's Cast, your 24-7 destination for A's baseball. The 89 team. We got two members of that team today on the program. Coming up later today, one of the greatest pitchers of all time at 330, Hall of Famer Dennis Eckersley. Don't forget the build with Dave Cavill at 3 o'clock, president of your Oakland Athletics. But I was also able to catch up with Walt Weiss. Walter Weiss was in his second year in 1989, was Rookie of the Year in 1988. Here is Walt on the 1989 season. Well, it's great to have him back on the program. Walt, how are you doing there in Denver? I'm doing well, doing well. You know, uh, it's nice. Things are starting to pick up here. Uh, it's an exciting time, especially after what we've been through the last uh, several months. So uh, hopefully we get some baseball going and we get back to doing what we love to do. Yeah, and, you know, before we start talking about 1989 and the great team you were on and, the, and your World Series championship, uh, you know, we've had Wash on the program, I, I think for 60 games still with, with all that talent there in Atlanta, you guys got to be really excited. No, we are. I, I think uh, the thought, the feeling is amongst the team, regardless of what type of schedule we play, you know, we, we have a talented team. I think we're, we're built for whatever is thrown at us. Um, you know, that being said, there's going to be some unique challenges to the season, obviously, not only for us, but for everybody. We'll have to, yeah, I think there'll be some some trial and error, Chris, as, as, as we move along here with everybody trying to figure some things out and work our way through uh, a different type of season. But, uh, no, I agree with you. We, 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 it's a good time to be a Brave. Uh, we've got a young, talented team. We've got some, some great veteran players that have, uh, have, have a proven track record. Uh, got some young arms coming along, so it's, it's a good time to be there. Do you have the feeling that these games are going to feel like playoff games? Because you just you can't lose. There's only 60 games. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not too sure. I mean, yeah, I think when you look at it uh, from, from this vantage point before we've gotten a chance to get started, it seems that way. I just don't know what to expect um, once we get rolling here. I, I think – you know, maybe we get rolling. It's business as usual, but I, I think you're right. I think, regardless, there's going to be some sense of urgency with 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 this short schedule. You know, you 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 can't afford a a rough week. You know, you can't uh, you can't afford to lose uh, seven out of nine or something like that. You know, you, you might you, you you your season might be over as far as your playoff hopes, but. You know, I think I think uh, once we get back to, to playing and we get out there, it's 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 going to be business as usual. But I I do think uh, hanging over your head, there's there's going to be that that sense of urgency that maybe isn't always there over the course of 162. You know, looking back on your career, you know, I I think uh, since we've been doing a deep dive on history, you think about you know certain Yankees like. Ruth and Gehrig, they were always in the World Series. Or Joe DiMaggio, Mickey Mantle played in 12 World Series. But for you as a modern-day guy, you come up in 1988. You're the rookie of the year. Your first three years in the big leagues, you're in the World Series. you you, you got to be thinking, wow, this just happens every year. Yeah. 
Yeah, that, you know, that, that changed quickly. You, you get a dose of reality if, uh, you know, you stick around a little bit. But, uh, yeah, at, at the time, you know, expectations were so high with our club, um, and we expected to be playing in October every year. Uh, and we did for the first three, we went all the way to world series. Unfortunately, uh, two out of three didn't, didn't turn out the way we wanted, but, um, no, you're right. I mean, early on, I, I certainly got spoiled with, with what was going on in Oakland. Um, you know, and unfortunately throughout my career, I, I ended up uh, playing in a lot of post seasons, a lot of big games. You know, I played another world series in Atlanta, um, as a coach in Colorado, play was, was was part of that 2007 World Series. So, I, I was fortunate enough to be, um, you know, on that stage uh, throughout my career in some capacity. Yeah, I, I got to think as a young guy, you show up, and I mean, we've talked to Stu, we've talked to Eck, we've talked to Mark McGuire. I mean, that 1989 team, and really that run of three years, you guys, it was like a rock. It was like you guys were rock stars. I mean, the the, the <laughs> The stardom that was around this team, and you're a young player. What was that like? Yeah, again, uh, didn't have a lot of perspective back then. Just kind of thought it was normal. But when I look back, <laughs> it really was like, like it really was like a traveling rock show. I mean, um, uh, to this day, I've never seen anything like it. Uh, as, as far as when we we travel and get into a city, and 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 uh, lobbies of hotels would be overflowing with people just trying to get a look at. You know Jose and Mac and Eck and Stu and all all the all the uh, personalities we had. I've never seen anything like that since then. Um, like I said, it was our normal back then, but um, it really was a unique group. Um, I think you, you combine the talent with the personalities, uh, and and it really was a special group. Um, and like I said, I didn't have that kind of perspective as, as a kid. But looking back on it, it really, it really was a, a, a pretty unique time. Like you fast forward to today, to today, and like last season, and I do some trips with the A's. We can walk through the lobby, and no one has a clue even who we are compared to what mm-hmm. you guys went through. I mean, that's it. I mean, you talk about a complete difference. It's unreal. It really, it really is. Um, you know, it, it even seems weird when I think back. I'm like, did that really, was it really like that? And it was. I mean, we'd show up. It didn't matter if it was two in the morning. We'd have to, a lot of times, we'd have to go through the service. They'd take us through the service elevators because we couldn't get to the the elevators in the lobby because it was overflowing with fans uh, waiting on us. Um, and so that was pretty routine, having to get to our rooms through the through the service elevator or some trap door or um and like I said, I, 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 I never, I've never seen anything like that since. You know, I, I, I look back on that team and it basically has no weaknesses. You got starting pitching. This is the start of the modern day bullpen. Uh, you think about power, you think about speed, you know, Ricky Henderson comes back. And, and, and of course you guys played excellent defense. I, I just talk about how, what a complete, this is one of the most complete teams ever in the history of the game. Yeah, I, I agree with you. You know, I, I think um, we probably don't get our due because we lost two of those world series, which I understand you got, you got to win it all to be considered with the, the great teams. But I got to tell you, Chris, that, that 89 team was, 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 was something else. I mean, when Ricky came over, 
um, I think it was about the about the All Star break or a little bit after. Um, it changed everything. We were already really good, but Ricky brought another element. He took us to another level, and that that team in '89. Um, by the time we got to October, we were rolling, man. I mean, we 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 were. I felt like we were unbeatable, and we 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 all felt that way. And uh, you know, obviously the, the the World Series got interrupted by the earthquake. Um, but even that couldn't stop us. I mean, we, 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 I think we were off nine or 10 days. And after that, we picked up where we left off and we ended up sweeping the giants that, that 89 team, uh, that, that's the, that's the best team by far I've ever been a part of. Yeah. We got to talk to Stu yesterday about, uh, just the craziness of starting game one and starting game three. It's probably something we'll never <laughs> see again. Uh, I'm sure you had family in the stands. Just how scary was that earthquake when you went through that at Candlestick Park? Yeah, no, it, it was crazy. You know, you, you got to remember it, it's a different point in time. Uh, information didn't travel like it does now. And you, and so, you know, you talk, talk to kids today and they probably don't understand uh, how strange it was. It, 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 I tell people we didn't know it was an earthquake. We were out there warming up and getting, uh, doing our sprints in the outfield. We had no idea it was an earthquake probably till 20 minutes later um, when word of mouth uh, started to get around. And uh, it, the whole thing was just surreal. We And we didn't really know the magnitude of it uh, for a while either. Uh, and so we're, you know, we're, 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 we're like, let's go, let's get this game going. And, you know, after they delayed it for a little bit and then they came up, they, they, they came over to PA and, and canceled the game. And we we're like, Oh, this is, this, this is, you know, worse than we thought. And then it was just chaos, you know, trying to get back to the Oakland Coliseum. That's one of the things I remember the most. That bus ride back from Candlestick to, to the Coliseum, it took about four hours. Um, and it, on, the, on the freeways, it was just chaos. There was cars going the wrong way. Everyone was just trying to get home, and nobody knew what was ahead. They didn't know if, if roads were torn up, if what bridges were down. Of course, all the bridges were closed at that point. But you just didn't know what was ahead on, on, on the road. And like I said, we had no way of knowing back then. Um, so it was that's that that was one of the stranger experiences of my life uh, that 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 bus trip from Candlestick to to Oakland. Yeah, we talked to Dave Dravecki also, and he was living in Foster City, and it took him a couple hours to get home when normally it would take him fifteen minutes. And the thing, you guys came all the way down to San Jose, correct, and then back up. Correct, because uh, the San Mateo Bridge was 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 shut down because nobody knew the extent of the damage to to the bridges. So. We had to go all the way down the peninsula and up the other side. Like I said, it took about four hours. Um, and, and and during this time, you're not communicating with anybody. Uh, like my family, I, I still didn't know. I wasn't. I was a young kid at the time. I wasn't married yet, but I was engaged and and had no way to communicate. Um, you know, and I was actually living. Ironically, I was actually living down towards San Jose that year. And so once I got back to the uh, Coliseum. I had to get, hop in my car and drive back down to towards San Jose, and 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 you know it was several hours later before I I communicated uh, with any family because all the phone lines were down and of course there no cell phones or anything like that. So it was, uh, and I'll never forget it. You know, I, I still remember very well. I, I, I vivid vivid memories of uh, of that whole ordeal that day. And let's not forget this: that was a very good San Francisco Giant team. 
you know, Will Clark, who we, who we had on, and he had so much respect for you guys. We talked to Will this week also, but you think Kevin Mitchell, Matt Williams, I mean, you, you swept a really good team. They were a really good team. Um, I want to say Scotty Gerelt, I think through game one, I, 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 I want to, I think he, he might've led the national league in ERA or, or close to it. Yeah. They, they had a really good team. I just think that at that point in time, you know, we, we were unstoppable. I don't think it mattered who lined up against us. We, we, we had an ax to grind because of what happened in 88. Uh, I remember, still remember the first uh, day of spring training when we had our meeting with, with, with Tony LaRussa you know, he's getting in, the, in front of the club for the first time that year. And and he wanted to make sure we, we didn't forget about 88 and how this, this season we, we were going to be on a mission to get back and, and, and take care of business like we didn't the year before. So we, we were we were truly on a mission all year. And then, like you said, bring Ricky over and we went to another level. And by, by the end of that season, it was a well-oiled machine. Walt, we always appreciate having you on the program. Good luck this year with your Atlanta Braves. We know how talented you guys are, and um, uh, obviously you're going to stay there in the East, so we won't see you, but we'd love to have you back on the program during the year and check in on you guys because, you know, you, you, you guys are going to have a chance. You, you got as good a chance as anybody to win the World Series this year. I think so. You know, but I think uh, with this with this format, Chris, but there's a lot of teams saying that, and for good reason, so. Um, but I appreciate that. Always enjoy uh, when you know whenever I get a chance to get to roll back through Oakland. Uh, a lot of great memories there, and, and uh, always good to get back there. Hopefully, at some point, uh, be able to do that. Take care, Walt. All right, Chris. Thank you. The great Walt Weiss. Yeah, the Atlanta Braves. They're one of the teams to watch out for. They've got a lot of talent. They got some smart guys running them too. We've got friends of the program who are part of the staff of the Atlanta Braves. Also, Wash is still there with the Atlanta Braves. And we had a friend of the program, well, friend of friend of yours. I mean, friend, this is a friend of yours that was arguably their second best player last year, who's now with Minnesota, but the great Josh Donaldson. Yes, longtime friend of the program. Donaldson was great for them last year, and now they're going to have to figure out how to replace him. They got Marcelo Zuna and. And the thing that scares me about the Braves is their pitching. Mike Soroka is great, and Max Fareed, and when he's when he's on, is pretty good. But they lost Julio Tehran. They did sign Cole Hamels, but he got hurt in spring training. So there's that. They missed out on Keuchel. Oh, well, they had Keuchel last year, and they didn't resign him. He went to he went to Chicago. So their pitching is one thing that scares me. Same thing with Minnesota. Minnesota has a serviceable pitching staff with uh, a guy really like Kenta Maeda being there now to go along with. Jake Odorizzi and some of the other guys they have, uh, Jose uh, Barrio. So it's going to be interesting to see if you – and you mentioned earlier you want positive news. How you want positive news? I don't know if you saw this. The Baseball Hall of Fame reopened their doors today for the first time since March 15th. They, you have to wear a mask for both visitors and staff, but the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown is now open for the public. You want even better news? Let's see if Are you can, ready? Let's see if you can top it. I got fitted yesterday for new golf clubs. Went up to Center Bar Hills with the Titleist guy, put me on track, man. How about that? 
you just learned about Trackman. Golf's been Trackman's been around since like the late '80s, early '90s. Yeah, isn't Bob Townsend the great Bob Townsend, your brother, an expert with Trackman? He can explain it better than anyone, probably. Oh, my 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 brother's a very confident guy. <laughs> my brother basically told his buddies with the Padres once again a bunch of these. There's a lot of people in Major League Baseball who live in San Diego. No brainer, right? Um, and our own Grady Fuson. They're all members at San Diego Country Club. And my brother told a bunch of these Padre guys, he goes, I know how to work your equipment better than you do. <laughs> and he's right. These guys are figuring out track, man, and now going to Hawkeye. So it's great, man. As soon as the ball leaves the club, it's telling you the spin and how far it's going and your launch angle and all that. Every shot, it does it. And so, you know, you're constantly messing with uh, shafts and grips and all the different, you know, different. There's there's different style that, you know, the head of the club, there's different styles. Uh, so Cinnabar, if you want to get if you want to get new clubs, I'm telling you, it's awesome. Go up there. Uh, you can go to Titleist's website and you can sign up there and. The guy's an expert who, who's, I mean, it's what he does. He sits there and watches your body. And your, I found out, uh, I found out that, because uh, I've always had stock clubs. I'm going to be honest. I'm a media guy. I've, I've never even paid for golf clubs. With my brother being a golf pro and me being a media guy, us media honks always get stuff for free. So I've always had stock clubs. I found out yesterday I should be playing with shorter shafts. So we'll see if my golf game, and plus I'm older now. You know, it's not like I'm 28. It's not like I'm 38. So I'm going to have custom golf clubs. I can't tell you how I hit. I had to hit 150 to 200 balls yesterday. I got home. I was supposed to go over to Cody's to have a little white claw and wine. I was so exhausted. I mean, to that, my hands still hurt. I, and I haven't, I haven't swung that many times ever in my life. But nobody cares. Uh, what did, what, what, what did? Uh, I know you want to get Billy Bean on, but I rather get Mister Bean on. Thank you, Billy. I, uh, I, I rather get inside joke. I rather get Billy on when we have more details. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I, I just because he doesn't even. They're still negotiating. I mean, I saw something earlier, you know, as we're talking and doing the show live, you know, all these apps on our phone send us this, you know, they send us out information. They're still negotiating on expanding the playoffs. I hope I mean, that so, happens. David, so, you know, David Forrest gave us some information on, on Wednesday, but I, I, I rather have like everything. If you're gonna fire that bullet, because you don't you only get Billy so many times. I rather I rather I rather have Billy on when we know all the parameters, when we know everything, when we know the taxi squad, when we know they've had to build an extra uh, clubhouse out in the parking lot for the visiting team, how they've redone the Raiders locker room. So because the Raiders locker room is just up the steps from the uh, the A's clubhouse. So during football season. Back in the day, Raiders would walk down the stairs. They'd actually walk right by Vuce's office through the A's clubhouse down the stairs to the field. So I, I want to know everything, all the rules, 
how many people in the post. I, I rather know so we can get it all from Billy. Instead of now, there's still a lot of speculation out there. Yeah, I, I get recall. The reason I thought of Billy is because of the '89 series, and there was a someone put an image on Twitter of Billy in the bullpen catching uh, someone warming up for one of the World Series games. And I, I just wanted them for that, but uh, I do have the infamous "Thank you, Billy Bean" that you're mentioning too, so people could know what it is. Thank you, Billy Bean. That was uh, what was that Frontier Ford before when he used to? That was off of uh, so Billy and I used to do Frontier Ford TV and radio commercials together, and that was that was on the script. And then everybody ragged me for it. But it's real. But so Billy was on with uh, Tim Kawakami of The Athletic on his podcast. Uh, I want to say it was yesterday. Maybe. Yeah, it was yesterday. But he's pretty much saying the team right now is the best team he's had since 2001. And that team in 2001 had Zito, Hudson, Mulder, Tejada. Uh, Never heard of it. Xavi. Uh, Giambi. Isringhausen. Johnny Damon. So Wait, 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 wait. you got to remember. Those teams were only good because Scott Hatterberg in 02 played first base. Forget that they had an MVP in 01 and 02. Yeah. Forget they had the big three. Scott Hatterberg turns into a first baseman, changed everything. Hey, the movie, I, the movie I once can't tell you that. Book and saw it in a movie. The book does a better. The book goes into more detail about everything else, but the movie just pretty much plays on Scott Hatterberg being the hero. That and the uh, scout scene uh, is probably two of the the uh, better things we talk about most on uh, from that movie. But yeah, so the O one team that won a hundred turned Scott Hatterberg into a first baseman. That era of A's baseball would have never worked. Uh, I'd say I saw the movie. T- tell him, Wash. It's incredibly hard learning how to play first base. Uh, that O one justice. What does he do? <laughs> Gets on base. Uh, the o, the o one team won 102 games. So I know this is different than the 2020 team, but the expectations were so high winning 97 games. Back-to-back years, you're having Puck and Lazardo. Are, are, they, are, are they the uh, highest winning wild card team of all time? Uh, oh, you mean just overall, like the 97 wins? Because no, they're not. No, no. In o one, they're a wild card because o one is when uh, oh, the yeah, Mariners – 116. Yeah, I would think that they're because I was gonna say what was it? And the two the Yankees at a hundred. The A's, the A's and Yankees at ninety at a hundred and ninety-seven. That was the two highest. But I think you got to say the A's at a hundred and two, right? They won a hundred and two and one. They were one hundred two and sixty. Yeah, it's got to be the highest winning percent. It's got to be the highest most wins for a team in a while and getting into the wild card. Yeah, because I was gonna say because the, the thing I thought of before before the uh, A's and and Yankees played in twenty eighteen. It was Pirates Cubs. The Pirates won ninety eight, and the Cubs won ninety seven, and the Cardinals won I think won hundred. You had three teams in the NL Central won ninety seven plus games that year, and then I was like, okay, this is ridiculous that these two teams are playing the wild card game. And then a few, flash forward a few years later, and here's the A's and Yankees winning ninety seven and hundred games because that was your Boston won what one oh one oh eight and won the World Series two years ago. But to get that's high praise from Billy to say that this team that they have now is just as good as these teams they had in the early 2000s, especially 01. There are so many good guys on those teams that we that we talked that we mentioned. Tejada, Giambi, uh, Xavi, Isringhausen, Johnny Damon. There's so many guys. And you look at the guys now, Chapman and Olsen and Simeon, the two-star pitchers coming up, you're hoping you're going to be stars, and Puck and Lizardo. You got, you got, you got Loriano, you got Canna, you got Sean Murphy. I mean, you got you got Puck and Lazardo coming with these supreme arms. 
All Mike Fires does is win. Frankie Montas is a power arm. Sean Manaya, Bassey, Chris Bassett. I mean, they've got so much talent. Liam Hendricks. I mean, this t- the A's are loaded. It's not going to shock anybody if the A's win the World Series. By the way, before we get to Dave Cavill, a trivia question. If we never see a pitcher hit again, you know what? That's not going to be possible because there's going to be at some point somebody's in an extra innings game that's like 20 innings and you're running out of guys and a pitcher's going to have to come up to the plate. But until that time happens, who's the last pitcher ever to step in the box? It's easy. It was Sean Doolittle in the World Series last year. I wonder if Himbo knows that. It's a good question because I, I, my trivia question I used to always go to, I think it was like the 2017 or 2018 regular season. And I remember it was the Cardinals and Pirates playing on ESPN. And I used to always go, who drove in the first run of the X number uh, season? And everyone's like, oh, it had to be someone on the Cardinals. I was like, wrong. It was Francisco Liriano drove in the first run of the 2017 baseball season. It was the most incredible thing because it was a pitcher driving in the first run. That's a good question about Doolittle. I only knew that because Buster brought up on his podcast, I want to say, yesterday. So I remember I listened to it yesterday, and he said that. And it was in the World Series last year. But I'm trying to remember – who would have done it in the regular season? I'd have to go back and look. It'd be easy to find, but I mean, hitters only, you know, pitchers only hit 128 last year overall. So, well, well last year and the last couple of years, everybody plays at the same time. So it would just be who was the, who was the longest game? Yeah. I'll, after- I'll go back and look. I'll, I'll, I'll get it for us. There's one thing we didn't get to today. I don't know if we'd be able to get to it, but uh, the, the uh, win totals are out. Oh yes, yes, we'll do that. We'll do that after the president. Yeah, the president good of stuff. your organization, huh? It's not say the win totals are good stuff. No doubt, the president of the Oakland Athletics next, right here on A's Cast Live. A's manager Bob Melvin was on A's Cast Live and explained which Hall of Famer still scares him. We had the Hall of Famer Jack Morris on the show, and he came down to where our little set is on the field in Oakland. And Cody says he's still scared of Jack Morris. I'm still scared of Jack Morris, and I know him really well. I'll tell you what, I'll give you a quick one with Jack Morris. The first first time I caught him uh, was in Tiger Stadium, and Jack Percani led off the game, and he bunted down the third baseline. Our third baseman threw it away down the right field line. The right fielder went and got it and threw it away to third. He came all the way around to score like a, a little league home run. First guy of the game. Umpire gives me the ball. I toss it back to Jack, and he barehands it. And I'm like, oh, God, this is great. Can someone get me out of here? Next thing I know, he pitched eight innings, gave up only the one run. We ended up winning the game. But that was my indoctrination of Jack Morris. So I I see how Cody feels for sure. To hear the full interview and much more, go to athletics.com slash podcast. Here's what we want everyone to do. Count all the hugs you haven't given, all the hands you haven't held, all the dinners you didn't share with friends, the trips you haven't taken. Keep track of them. Each one means one less person vulnerable, one less person exposed, and one step closer to a healthier community. So for now, keep your distance, but don't lose count. We'll have some catching up to do. Kaiser Permanente, thrive. COVID-19 is more than a health crisis. It's a financial crisis for many California families. In this moment, you shouldn't have to worry about keeping the lights on. 
That's why at PG&E, we want you to know about our programs to reduce bills for customers facing economic hardship, that we've suspended all disconnections because of non-payment, and we can help you save money by using less energy. To learn more, visit safetyactioncenter.pge.com. Right now, staying connected is more important than ever, and fast, reliable internet from Xfinity can help. We have plans to fit every budget, with speeds up to a gig, all at Xfinity.com. We'll ship you a self-install kit on us to make setup quick, safe, and easy. No tech visit required. And our simple digital tools will help you manage your account online. At Xfinity, we're committed to keeping you connected. Find great offers and value today at Xfinity.com. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. You don't need to understand how available adaptive variable suspension works or how pre-collision cameras detect pedestrians in low light. You don't need to understand any of the craft that went into the Lexus ES to feel it. With outstanding connectivity and standard Lexus Safety System Plus 2.0, experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. LSS Plus 2.0 and the pre-collision system with pedestrian detection are not a substitute for safe and attentive driving practices. See owner's manual for additional limitations and details. Chevron and its brands are committed to reliably providing fuel to customers, even during an emergency. The safety and health of workers, customers, and the communities where Chevron operates are primary concerns. In Northern California, Chevron and Texaco stations are open for business, supplying quality fuels in a safe manner. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. You know, last week... We had Bob Melvin, and we had David Forrest. What was that last week? Uh, it was week two weeks ago, I think. Huh? It was. Uh, we. Had, I remember having Bob on a Friday. So and was- then Forrest was late. Was the next week? Whatever it is, it's just great to to hear familiar voices. I mean, it's it's almost July, and we haven't had baseball. I mean, it's 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 rough. And we haven't talked to Dave Cavill in a while. And what was cool about having Dave on today is Dave came on Google Meets so we could see him. And it was great to see him. You know, these are people that you're used to seeing every day and saying hello to every day. And then all of a sudden you don't see people, you you you, you end up missing them. So we call it the build on A's cast is when we get to sit down. With the president of the Oakland Athletics, Dave Cavill. Dave, I can truly say this. I miss you. It's great to see you. How is everything with the, the Cavill household? We're doing great. We're excited to play ball, to bring baseball back and uh, be at the Diamond at you know Oakland Alameda Coliseum. I think it's going to be a really exciting summer camp and get started on a great season. Yeah, I think we can both say what we've seen on Twitter is how much our fans truly just missed the entire process. We just want the game back. We know how good the team's going to be, but just we want the game back. Oh, yeah. You know, the different storylines, the ups and downs of the season, you know, even like a three-game losing streak. You know, that's something that's on your mind. What do we need to do? How do we need to change things? You know, the sports talk, you know, all these pieces have been missing, and I'm just really thankful that we're at a point where we can bring that back and really bring it to our fans. And I hate to say this because it sounds like I'm a baseball nerd. I miss keeping score. Oh, yeah. That's that's one of the great parts of baseball. That's a great joy of it. You know, all the different, you know, it's almost in your own language. I love it. 
I think about a 60-game schedule, how this is almost going to be like football. Every single game, you know, the, the whole a marathon. No, we're on a sprint. Like every single game is going to be dramatic. And all the games are going to matter. So, I mean, every series, like, let's say you play three games against the Angels or the Dodgers or the Giants. Every little move will be analyzed because it's going to matter. There's nowhere to hide. And um, we just got to, you know, start strong, get hot and, and get on a little bit of a roll here, which we're, we're prone to do this time of year. But usually we've already had an earlier season time <laughs> to be kind of sideways. So hopefully we can get it going quick. <laughs> yeah, our, our guys got to know uh, starting out slow like we normally do. And, it, and you know what's kind of crazy? Uh, Cody and I have gone through basically the last 20 something years. And for the most part, we always start slow. Then we get hot, but it doesn't matter if it was Art Howe, Ken Maka, uh, Bob Melvin, all the play. I mean, all the human beings have changed, but yet the storyline is always the same. It's crazy. It's in the DNA of the Oakland A's. There's something <laughs> about our team. And you know, the thing is, though, we're so strong late in the season, though. Like, that's one of the yeah. most fun parts of A's baseball is, you know, the September run-up and getting into the postseason. So... Let's just start with that. Let's just start with that. That's going to be the plan. Yeah, it's like Billy, David, and Bob got to get in front of the team and go, just act like you've already played for a couple months. Right, Just right. put that in your mind that you guys have played already and that you're just picking up uh, and it's after the All-Star break. I, I think that's a great strategy. And then uh, what do you think about the August 31st trade deadline? That could be really interesting. Well, it will be. And especially, you know, we're the type of team that, you know, has great – capability um, to trade players and, you know, make a, a really strong run this year. We have a great young team. You know, this is a team that can, that can win the world series and we want to make sure we you know, are hitting on all cylinders. So I think that'll be another exciting aspect of what we're doing this year. And I think fans will get fired up. You mentioned another team, you know, cause last year the Astros won 107 games, the Dodgers won 106. So we're adding not only not only we have the best team, <laughs> arguably in baseball, we're adding the second best team now in, into our. It's it, the competition is going to be great. You know, but I almost think you need to beat the best teams to be the best. You know, and I think you know it, on some level it makes you stronger to like play the harder teams during the season. Especially, it's very unbalanced this year with the regional play. And so I think that'll make us stronger, you know, the postseason and give us a better chance to know that we can beat any team on any day. I've always had a rule of thumb. It's kind of been a running joke here on on Ace Cast Live um, that if I if I get on a Southwest flight and I can't get to you in under three hours, we shouldn't be in the same division. Mm -hmm. And I just I, I get a sense now with what we're going to see this year that maybe we could have some realignment, that maybe we should be in the same division as the Giants and the Dodgers and the Padres and really make this more regional game. I, I, I think this is – do you think this can be a great year for just experimenting with, with different things? Well, I think baseball is so tradition-bound that only something like this COVID-19 pandemic and this whole, like, upended season, this is almost the only way to try it. And so I actually um, think it's great that we're being flexible and we're trying different things and – you know, we might find out that fans really prefer the fact that we're playing the Giants more, the Dodgers. Like, it's more interesting for them to have these rivalries that are local, and it's easier on the players not to travel as much. So I think those are all things we have to look at long-term that could make our sport better. Yeah, I mean, we could really get some Northern California, Southern California rivalries going. 
it's a good thing. It's happened before and we can keep that going. And we have, there's a lot of history, you know, back in 88 and all that kind of stuff. So we want to do what we can to kind of build that momentum around it and create that excitement both for ourselves and obviously for the other teams. And I know, you know, with, with someone like yourself and everybody in Major League Baseball, you know, the, the number one thing is and what they're trying to do in the NHL and the NBA and the NFL and the PGA Tour and NASCAR and on. It's all about just trying to keep people safe. 100%. And, you know, it's it's not just the players, which obviously are number one, but it's also our staff. It's everyone at the ballpark. It's everyone in the traveling groups. It's the broadcasters, you know, just ensuring that everyone can go back to the ballpark and that the protocols are in place for folks not to get infected and that their health and safety is really paramount. And that that's always been the focus. And I think MLB has done a great job in conjunction with the teams and ourselves and David Forrest on the baseball side and David Renetti on the operations side to ensure that we have a plan. And it's a quick turnaround to put the whole thing together. And we're scrambling and working, you know, 18 hour days every day now to make sure that the Coliseum is ready to go come next week. But I'm confident we're going to be there. How about spring training 2.0? Hey, it's happening. You know, we got the summer <laughs> camp because it ain't spring anymore. So we, we got to move into the summer camp. And I think I think it'll be fun. And it'll be good, good to see everyone out there and having it in Oakland. How crazy is that? You know? Yeah, it's like that. it's like the baseball camps over the years have been done like it's at Stanford and San Jose State. It's like summer yeah. camp. <laughs> yeah, it feels like summer camp. You know, everyone gets like you know a little bag lunch and everything like that. I mean, it really is like a bunch of eight year olds. Chico's bail bonds, you know, like it's pretty funny. Watching Matt Olson and Matt Chapman with, with a brown bag lunch going out to practice. That's going to be the eight great uh, you know, Instagram <laughs> shot. We have that. That'll be all time. Everybody gets an apple. Everybody yeah. gets a bag of chips. And here's well, some more. You can trade your items. You know, trade <laughs> the salami sandwich for the egg salad. That's what you got to do. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I, I, I'm not buying that this isn't a season and there's an asterisk. I mean, to me, everybody's on the same playing field. Everybody's got the same schedule. You know, bottom line, you know, there's going to be a winner. And, and I think back to 1981, where they had two different halves, we don't really think back and say the Dodgers didn't win that World Series. So I, I'm not buying that this is not a real season. No, I think it's a complete real season. And I think it's one that our fans are going to be excited about because a lot of people are like, you know, kind of stuck at home. They don't have the storylines. They don't have their heroes to root for and their teams. And so this is a great way to bring that out. And I think there'll be a lot of interest. You know, I think the ratings will be higher. You know, obviously we can't have the fans in the seats, which is too bad. But, you know, um, we're going to do everything we can to be fun with things like the cutouts and making sure that people can, like, be there virtually. And we're looking at a lot of different options in that and uh, and to keep it fun and, and fresh the whole time. Yeah, I told somebody the other day, how many how many seats we have at the Coliseum? Like 56,000 or something yeah, like almost, that? Yeah, yeah. If there's any place where you can social distance, it's the Oakland Coliseum for the players. Well, I have to tell you, like, you know, there's been some Tuesday nights in the past that I've been at the games that look pretty socially distant. So, like, <laughs> we've done it before. So, we could actually be kind of the lighthouse for the rest of the league to figure out how to do it. So. All right. So, explain to me how we're talking about Season ticket holders sending in pictures of themselves and you're going to make a cardboard like because we saw it in the KBO. The KBO has been great, by the way. Love it. Uh, Love it. I mean, 
No, especially the umpires. Those guys are nuts. <laughs> oh, the, the stuffed animals in the stands, the bat flips. The, I mean, I, I want more of the KBO in Major League Baseball. We're going to be doing all that stuff. And, you know, Steve Finelli on my team, who's kind of like overseeing that and our marketing team. And so, you know, we're going to be sending out announcements to our season ticket holders and A's Access members and also to just other members of the community who want to participate. And so, you know, look for those announcements over the next week or so. And I think it's going to be really fun and a great way to engage uh, in what we're doing at the Coliseum. You know, this might be a great time to bring fun back to the game. This might be a great time for us to realize players, baseball, we've always been so serious and hardcore that really this is, and I know you and I have talked about this, this really is entertainment. You understand that as as much as anybody. Hey, I'm a promoter at heart, and I love that part of the game, and I think we need to do more of that stuff. And this this can be a year where we experiment and do more um, things like that. And I think it'll be fun. You know, and it might be the stuffed animals, and it might be the – you know, cardboard cutouts that maybe even have the ability for people to cheer somehow. Um, Those are going to be things that people always remember. It won't be the same as the way we've done it in the past, but maybe some of those traditions will be carried forward. You know, one thing that we both get hit up on on Twitter all the time is about the stadium, about the new stadium, which we're all pulling for. How's that going? It's actually going quite well. You know, we're still moving 100 percent speed forward on the Howard Terminal waterfront site. You know, we're working with the city on a weekly basis. We have series of meetings. You know, we've had to kind of change around um, the order of approvals because some of the public meetings can't happen because of COVID. So we've been more focused on some of the legal agreements between the city and us, between us and the port, the, some of the government entities like the Air Resource Board. And so we're just knocking all those things out this year. So, you know, we can get a final approval sometime in 2021. Originally, it was going to be in 2020. But I think because of COVID, it's really kind of slipped a year. And, you know, what that means for the exact timeline of the ballpark is not totally known. It's something that rests a little bit on the city and, and their willingness to engage us. But, you know, we're still 100% committed to building the privately financed ballpark at the waterfront. You know, my, my, uh, one of my good friends, you talk about not being able to get together. One of my good friends, his son hasn't been able to get his driver's license yeah. because he can't get his driver's test. I think, I think, I think, Everywhere you look in the Bay Area and all the different counties, there's been so many things that have been set back because you can't meet face to face. No, and you have to understand, too, that with some of these public approvals, having the public meetings is critical to make sure these things are legally valid. And so so we've had to change kind of the timing on things. But, you know, I think one thing the city has told us is that I think with the especially economic downturn that's come with COVID, um, and the crisis and the pandemic, you know, this project is becoming more and more important for our community. The jobs, you know, 6,000 permanent jobs, you know, all the economic development, all the improvements to the local environment. Those things are going to be really important and maybe more important now because of the current, current crisis. All right. I've been asking everybody this here on Ace Cast Live. Since we've all been in lockdown for the most part, what's been happening at the Cavill family? What, what's the deep dive? Is it Netflix? Hulu, games, books. What what have you guys been doing? Uh, a little bit of everything. We've been doing a lot of barbecuing. You know, I got a Weber Smoky Mountain 22 inch. So I've like had all sorts of pork butts and, you know, barbecue ribs and briskets and overnight cooks. And so we've been eating way too much barbecue food, but it's been tasty. <laughs> so we love that. 
And the kids are binging all sorts of shows. We were watching Dance Moms the other day. So, I mean, it's been some really lowbrow humor. Um, but That's it's an awful fun. show, by the way. That's an <laughs> awful show. <laughs> I told you. I told you. So, I mean, it really gives you a sense of America. So we, wa- we watched that. And uh, we're, we're having a good time. Everyone's staying safe and just kind of staying inside and, um, you know, trying to get out a little bit to obviously exercise and, you know, maybe on the golf course too, because you can socially distance and at the golf range. So just doing what we can to make sure we support the, you know, local orders and, and just be safe. Well, I got to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you for, for what you've done for us here with A's cast and A's cast live. I know it means a lot to Cody also that you had the directive to, you said, stay on the air, entertain, talk baseball. And that's what we've done here and bringing on really, the biggest names in the game, you know, whether you talk Hall of Famers or Bob Costas and, 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 you know, our job has just been to, to, to be a distraction from the news for our fans and to talk baseball and to talk about the A's. And it was great recently catching up with Bob Melvin in Arizona and David Force. So I can't thank you enough for you making that call saying you guys stay on the air and keep doing what you do. Well, you guys do an incredible job and I know it was something our fans not even just wanted, they needed. And I think you guys provided a critical bridge to this season. And, you know, I can't thank you guys enough for doing that. It's great to see you. I can't wait to see you in person. Be well, be safe, and let's get this season going. Play ball. Let's do it. He's just infectious, man. He, he He's the kind of guy that makes you want to run through a wall. I mean, that's 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 his leadership. He's like one of those guys. Never has a bad day. No matter what you throw at him, he never has a bad day. Every day. You know who's like that a lot? Pete Carroll. Oh, totally. Pete Carroll Carroll wakes up and like, life's great. Let's go. I mean, he's talked about that before. Like every day he wakes up, he can't wait for the challenge. I mean, most of us, we wake up and say, not Dave Cavill. Dave Cavill wakes up and says, let's go get him. So we actually talked a little bit with Cavill, uh, Dave, our, our president, a- after we did the taping, and his daughter's a really good golfer. So he's been playing golf with his daughter. I that, That's just wonderful. I wish my kids played, but they have zero interest. I have an update on Vegas, if you're interested. Uh, what's the update on? My buddy, Adam Shiro. It was the GM up at Center Bar Hills Golf Course. Uh, landed in Vegas this morning. Says there's not a ton of people. But there is uh, there is a lot of pool activity. But inside the casino, well, I'll keep you updated. Because I wondered, like, what, what's it going to be like? You know, if you go up to Reno or you go to Tahoe. Vegas. I'm going up to uh, Clear Lake next week. So we were going to miss some shows, but uh, I guess the company has given us Friday off next week. So we will be on Monday and Wednesday. Looking forward to it. I mean, we got a, we got 60 games in 66 days coming up soon that we're going to be grinding through. So, uh, and, and you know what? No, not one person is going to complain. Not at all. Not one person is going to say, oh, my God, I've worked. You remember last year at one point I worked like 
almost 40 straight days. You're, we have that on AceCast. We adopted the Bill Belichick no days off. Well, that's for you. I mean, I took I took day. I I didn't really work a lot of weekends. Yeah, you had but... the weekends off. I didn't have the weekends <laughs> off. Um, I'm ready for the grind, man. I'm ready for the grind. I said I'll take anything. I'll take 30 games, 60 games, 80 games, whatever. Just give me baseball. Are you ready for the the Vegas odds for yes. the win totals? All right, so this is from Caesars, and I got this from. No, it wasn't from a, a, a guy, anybody I know in the industry that's a gambling you know, a, expert who covers it for ESPN or whatnot like I usually do. The great Paul Hembakidi sent it to me yesterday. Hembo. Hembo sent it to me because Caesars has the agreement, I think, with ESPN. They use that for the Daily Wager, which I know one of – we both know one of the guys that does that show on ESPN. So Caesars Who's sent that? it. The great Joe Fortenbaugh is one who? of the <laughs> – So Caesars sent over their 2020 win totals. Can you guess who leads Major League Baseball in the projected win totals for 2020? You know, every single year, Joe Fortenbaugh will receive texts from me. It's always my football trip. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, Fortenbaugh, I need to make some money. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What was the question again? What team has the highest win total projection, according to Caesars? For 2020. By the way, Dennis Eckersley coming up here in about 10 minutes. I would say the team that has won their division seven straight years, that would be the, and I'm not looking at them right now, I, that would be the Los Angeles Dodgers. That's correct. So Caesars has them, and Vegas have them at 37 wins. That's the highest in the National League and American League, so the highest in baseball overall. Second, the New York Yankees. At 36 and a half wins, so 60 games. So essentially, you're 37 and 23. So they pretty much think the Dodgers and the Yankees will pretty much have the same record, which is still pretty good. And then, you know, I mean, it, when I think about these totals, this is a tough one for them because now look at your division. All right. Yeah, it's completely different. Yeah, your division for the Dodgers is not beating up on a bunch of these crappy National League West teams. Your division now has Houston, Oakland. You've just added some big players in this game. I mean, are the Phillies going to be better? Are the Mets going to be better? So now you've added, you know, it's just not beating up on the Orioles. I mean, you you got the Blue Jays are going to be better. Rays are going to be good. I don't, you know, these Braves. high wind totals. Braves. Oh, and Braves. Nationals. <laughs> not that, not that I'm a gambling man. I'm just saying I might be looking at some unders here. Yeah, I. So the next, so the Yankees at 36 and a half. I'm gonna go just do National League. The next highest in the National League isn't isn't the uh, Braves. It's the Braves at 33. So you got Dodgers, then Braves, and then they have the Nationals at 32 and a half. And then it kind of trails off from there. They have the Mets at 32, Phillies at 31, Cubs at 31 and a half, Reds, Cardinals at 31 and a half, Brewers at 30 and a half, uh, and the Diamondbacks at 31 and a half. The addition of Sterling Marte and Madison Bumgarner is not going to help them into the playoffs. And my beloved Pirates are at 25. Now, in the American League, it's a little different. The Yankees are at 36 and a half. And then you have, you have the Twins who are at – 
34 and a half. So they're playing in the Central. So you're going to beat up on the Royals in Detroit, and then you're also going to beat up on uh, the Pirates, probably. I might take over there. I, I like. The, I mean, they're not going to hit. Uh, Newsflash: They're not going to hit 302 home runs this year, or 300, 307 home runs this year. Just isn't going to happen. They might still lead baseball at home runs, but yeah, I, I would. I'm considering taking the over, even though their pitching kind of scares me a little bit. The next one, the Astros, 34 and a half. As we always talk about, who's pitching after Granke? Uh, we we know it's a short year from a caller, so he won't have to worry about thir- starting 30 plus games. But no, who, that's a benefit for them, big time. It, yeah, and the Granke, he, he, he was going to be on an innings limit. And then all the guys out there are younger, so 34-and-a-half for the Astros. And then you got the A's. Well, the Rays are actually 34. And then you have the A's at 33-and-a-half, so there would be the second wild card, according to Caesars, and they'd be traveling to the trop. I'm uh, I'm taking the over on that. Yeah, I like it too. I mean, you're you're playing the Mariners, you're also playing the Giants, and you're playing the Padres, who everyone thinks is going to be a great team this year. Not buying it. How about the the rock pile? I mean, the Rockies are projected at 27 wins, according to – that's kind of high. Rocktober. Yeah, yeah. well, it might be uh, uh, Arnautilus October. I, uh, I, If I had to bet the biggest name to get moved by August 31st, I'd bet it's him. Lindor's up there. Chris Bryant's up there. I just think – because right now – the only reason you're getting rid of Lindor or you're getting rid of Bryant is because you think you're going to lose him to free agency. That's far different from Arenado. He's just signed a franchise huge 200 plus million deal. What do we say is like 238 or 36 millions left on the deal? Yeah. He's a salary dump. And when your ownership is like, we're not making much money, uh, I could see. Uh, this may be a time that the Dodgers could get Arenado. Because even though you're trading him in division, you're like, we got to find somebody who's rich enough to take on the deal. And the Dodgers, they got that. Bringing Nolan Arenado home, imagine putting him at third, and then you take the bearded one who's terrible on defense, the red beard, and put him uh, over at DH. So it's Dave Roberts talked about. He'd be the guy that they're going to use at DH to give. He his Dave Roberts is playing for the DH is essentially giving it to guys for off days. So guys like Turner, maybe Jock Peterson. Depends on the, what the uh, handedness of the starting pitcher is. What he told John Morosi on and Casey started on Sirius XM MLB Network Radio yes yesterday or it's Wednesday. He told him that it's going to depending on the handiness. So you can see Turner, Kike Hernandez, Jock, who had 36 home runs, all against righties, not against lefties. So don't. You won't see him in there against uh, uh, Jesus Lazardo if they're when they're playing the A's. So you know where else Arnado could go. Who would be a good fit for him? I'm not going to say the Cubs because everyone keeps talking about them, them trading Bryant for him. But Bryant's a free agent next year. Uh, good fit for Arnado. I always think St. I always think St. Louis is a good fit for everyone. How about the Texas Rangers? Yeah, they got they got some money to spend. They got a new ballpark that's been getting roasted on Twitter. Really? Oh, yeah. They people. Don't like- someone someone took the image of the new ballpark. It looks like a tool shed, is what some people were saying. Someone took the image of the new ballpark, and they photoshopped it where it looked like uh, they were opening the top of the roof, and people are bu- using it as a grill, like they had food in there. 
because that's what it looked. I'll, I'll see if I can find it. And I'll pull it up. But that's so people are roasting the new ball, the globe was a globe life field that they have there in in Texas. But I I like that idea of him playing there, him and Gallo in the same lineup with Rugnet Odor and some of the younger. Did you see it? Okay, okay. CBS Sports Twitter roast Texas Rangers for new stadium compares it to an abandoned warehouse. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, you know what, man? Anything's going to be better than that. The, the other place was just hot. And, uh, they got it going on. It's Texas Live's right next to it. I've told you plenty of times about how cool Texas Live is. It's where they have all the restaurants and bars and bands. And it. it you don't tail. I would tailgate for a cowboy game. I'd go to Texas Live and then walk down to Jerry's World. Can, can you see my phone on the screen? I have the picture of the the Rangers, the thing what they do, with got, the, the Photoshop of the the barbecue on the range on the roof of the, the roof of the ballpark. <laughs> but I'm, I'm glad, good. They ha, they have a, they'll have a roof where you don't have to worry about the heat. But uh, I do like I do like Arnado fitting in in Texas. That's not a bad call because they were looking to spend money this offseason and they and they missed out on uh, Anthony Rendon who signed with the Angels and they're only projected uh, according to Caesars they're only projected to win. I think want to say it's it's the Angels are at thirty one and a half, so not, not making the playoffs yet again for them. Do you know who has the lowest win total in according to Caesars for twenty twenty? Uh, I mean it's either going to be Detroit or Baltimore. Spoiler: It's an American League team. Yes, it would be the Baltimore Orioles are projected to win twenty and a half games, and then Detroit's at twenty one and a half. The Marlins twenty three and a half. The Giants, sorry, Giants fans, maybe it'll go up if you sign Puig, 24 and a half wins for 2020. Hey, if I had if I had my way, everybody outside the great state of California would have a retractable roof. Sorry, Wrigley. Sorry, Fenway. Sorry, Yankee Stadium. I'm so tired of rain delays and weather delays. That's the thing. If you have the retractable roof, you play every game at home. You never have it. No one would ever have an issue. There's no rain delays in Southern California. How many rain delays do we have? There was one a few years ago. I'll never forget it. It was like the second game of the year. There was a rain delay. I would say it was like 2015, 2016, maybe even earlier than that. I was like, what's this rain delay stuff? When's the last time they even rolled out the tarp at the Coliseum? That thing probably is stuck. It hasn't been used in so long. I got a trivia question for you. Get, get Clay Wood on the line. Clay, <laughs> when's the last time you put the tarp down on the field? Do you, do you want a trivia question before we get to Eck? Yeah. Happy, Dennis Eckersley Hall of Famer next. Happy birthday to, well, would have been Hall of Famer uh, this season. Derek Jeter, happy 46th birthday to Jeter. Jeter played in 38 World Series games. That's the most for any player who, de- who debuted in the majors in 1960 or later, who has the second most? It's got to be a Yankee, like Mickey Mantle. Uh, it's a Yankee and former Oakland A. Joe D? No. Think more modern. Think Braves, Indians. Oh, oh really? Um, old Man Justice? Old Man Justice played in 36 World Series games, second most among players who debuted since wow. 1960. That's from my family at the Elias Sports Bureau on Twitter. No relation. That's a joke. Boy, 
He didn't win a lot of them. No, that's yeah, that's true. The Indians. Was he on that Braves team when they won in '96? Yeah, his only one is the, the one, one with the Braves. Okay. He didn't win with the Yankees, did he? Uh, let's let's pull up old man Justice's time World Series champion. Yeah, so he won. Uh, he won in two thousand with the Yankees. He won ninety five with the Braves. Two thousand. He had a pretty. He had, he had a good little career. Three hundred and five home runs. A thousand seventeen RBIs. Uh, a war of almost as good as Buster Posey, but Buster Posey apparently is a much better player. And we're gonna say how his forty one four. What is it? Forty one point eight war is way better. So, but I mean. Justice had a nice career, played in a lot of World Series games, 36 to be exact. He's 54 years old. Jeez. Earlier today, I caught up with one of the greatest pitchers of all time, and he's one of the best interviews of all time. I always love having him on the program. Here is the Hall of Famer, Dennis Eckersley. Well, now joining us here on A's Cast Live, he's truly an all-time great, a World Series champion, a six-time All-Star, AL MVP, AL Cy Young Award. It just goes on and on. Two-time AL Rollades Relief Man of the Year. You look at his stats, they're absolutely mind-blowing when you talk about having 197 wins and 390 saves. He's the great Dennis Eckersley, and he joins us here on A's Cast Live. How are you, Eck? I'm doing good, man. Everything's good. Baseball's back. See what happens, huh? I mean, how crazy is this going to be? I mean, 60 games. This is going to be a, a sprint to the finish line. Yeah, I think to begin with, we're going to have to cross our fingers here. You know, I think this next couple of weeks, how it shakes out, you know, you see how um, the other sports guys are getting tested. So, you know, guys are going to come out. I don't know how many, but there's going to be some guys that, you know, come positive and you see where they go. But you're still excited. You know, I mean, all the fighting and bickering, we're finally going to get a chance to take a shot at this thing. And it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a goofy season, but to say the least. But, you know, baseball is better than no baseball. That's how I look at it. Man, you, you, you've been around this game your entire life. It's just like, like, why can't management and the Players Association, why can't they just come together and realize it's best to have unity versus fighting each other? They've been fighting each other forever. Yeah. I mean, listen, I've been on, I've been on the other side. You know, it starts with trust, you know, and the players just don't trust the owners, you know, right down to the fact that they don't believe how much they're making, and they're sure not going to open those books anytime soon. So. You wish that they could see clearly, get some perspective like we all have, you know, that are fans of the game looking at it. But that's just not the way it is. I mean, you've got to be in the middle of all this stuff. You need the solidarity. You have to be strong. But this, with what has happened to this country and the COVID and all, I mean, this is not the time. It just made it look so ugly. But that can all be forgotten. You know, once you start playing, that's in the back burner until, until the next time, basically. So my producer asked me a question before you came on, which I think you're going to, you're the perfect guy to ask is what will it be like at the end of games for closers? And there's no fans. I mean, you're going out there just trying to close out the game, but that, you know, the adrenaline from the fans and, and people standing up and cheering won't be there. Oh, believe me, it's all about adrenaline. I mean, I, I personally, that's what I was all about. You know, I, I thought I pitched, better than I could possibly ever have pitched with no fans in the stands. 
it's like picturing an exhibition game. You just can't get your, you know, the, the blood flowing. I mean, I, I, you know, my whole act was based on, you know, uh, adrenaline. It really was. So this is going to be tough. And I'll tell you what, you know, I do games with the Red Sox and, and Fenway Park is a home field advantage with people in the seats, right? I mean, it's not the same. So there's a disadvantage to that all the way around. You know, the energy that they, that the fans bring for the home team is intense. It really is over the course of 162. So maybe it's a little different, but the players are going to have to try to find it somehow. Everybody's in the same boat, you know? I used to think, I mean, watching you warm up in the bullpen, and when you start going to the mound, people got juiced. <laughs> they got juiced yeah. to the mound. I was like, I'll tell you what. I thought I was throwing harder than I was throwing. I'll tell you what. You have to be a little careful. You know what I mean? You know, they play that bad to the bone stuff. <laughs> Next thing you know, you think you're throwing 100, and you better be careful. <laughs> you better not center it. But it still helps. I mean, there's no doubt about it. It still helps. Isn't it crazy how in in our modern game, it seems like every guy coming out of the bullpen, they all look the same. They're all throwing 100 miles an hour. Hell, we got guys now throwing 103. Yeah. Uh, yeah I'll tell you what. How is this season going to look? Obviously, the pitching is going to be different, right? I mean, you're not going to rely on starting rotations, which you didn't anyway, but especially the shortened season. You're going to see guy after guy that – it might be they may not score as many runs. I, I'm not sure. I mean, will the will the game change because of urgency trying to score runs? Will you, will guys stop trying to leave Earth and hit the ball out of the ballpark? Right? You know, it might be a crucial run. You got to get the guy over, get him in. Might be a different brand of baseball. But you're going to see. It's always been like that. They got eight guys out there that can bring it. Can you imagine in this shortened season? If you lose like three or four games in a row, it's going to feel like death. Yes, that's that's what. So it makes it kind of exciting, right? Uh, the urgency of everything, every game, the importance of every game. But it's it's hard to create that energy when you know we're doing the games at the studio remotely. You know what I mean? It's hard to get all jazzed up uh, without all that. You know, so I don't know. I'll find a way to get it going, but uh, it's going to be different. I, and I like the urgency part of it. I really do. Yeah, your broadcast, we were talking to your old buddy, Ray Fossey, about this. Uh, your broadcast is going to be kind of similar to what you see with the Olympics because the majority of the Olympic broadcast for NBC is done here in the United States when it's wherever it is, right? So if it's going to be in Japan, there'll be some broadcasters there, but the majority of the people are here. So it's going to be weird in the way you guys are going to be doing this for the first time. Like you'll be in a studio and the Red Sox could be, who knows, taking on the Mets. It's going to be weird. I'll tell you what, this might be something that's in the future. I mean, you think, I mean, they may go more remotely uh, when teams are on the road. I mean, I don't know if it's a money thing, but still this could happen in the future. But meantime, trying to make, trying to get that once again you're trying to get that adrenaline in the booth you know baseball is hard enough to generate that kind of energy especially when you're removed from it like that it's going to be it's going to be trying but i think like anything you'll get used to it you know we've been celebrating your 1989 team and truly one of the great teams of all time 
And I, I think about for you being a Bay Area kid who grew up a Giants fan, you know, your career, where you are in 1989, you're absolutely dominant. What was that like for you winning that World Series at Candlestick Park? Well, everything. And then you look back at it now, probably even greater looking back because that was the only one. You know, and that was coming off the 88 World Series where, you know, the Gibson thing, which I may, I felt like I cost us that World Series. So to be able to get the next year, I didn't have to grind on it so long, you know, just one year. And, and, and to have the ball in my hand and touch first base, I mean, that's to me, you know, helped me immensely. But looking back, I know how lucky I was to, for that moment. You know, he's a kid from Fremont, used to go to Candlestick Park, giant fan. And the only World Series I win in 24 years is at Candlestick Park. Last out. Beautiful thing. And, and, and one of the things I've been talking about, because, you know, we still have a lot of younger fans who really didn't get to watch that team. But in 1989, you guys didn't have a weakness. You had starting pitching, you had bullpen, you had defense, you had power, you had speed. You had everything. There was no weakness on this team. No, and what was overlooked, I think, and for me looking back, was the depth that we had. You know, you talk about everything that we had, but the depth that we had. You know, Conseco was out the first half of the season, and we didn't skip a beat offensively. And then I, I went out in May that year, and I missed like six, seven weeks. And the time I was gone, I think Honeycutt saved 12 games. So we, we didn't skip a beat. And the depth that we had, I mean, we could do it all, really. Defensive replacements late in the game. We could run. We could. Do, I mean, we could do it all. We could obviously Ricky. What a dimension that he brought when he came over in June, and starting location. Nobody ever skipped a start. Everybody had. They didn't miss a start. It's crazy, and a great bullpen. Can't forget about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no doubt. <laughs> and let's be honest. That was a that was a really good San Francisco Giant team that you swept. Oh, absolutely. They beat the Cubs. I mean, they had Will the Thrill. I think they didn't have it, clearly didn't have as good a pitching as we did. I mean, I think that was a huge difference. You know, Stu won a couple of games, Mike Moore. We only had to use two starters, think about it, because of the delay. I think offensively, they were they had a good ball club. But um, we came back after the delay 10 days and swung the bat as good as any time I saw. So, you know, you hate to say somebody's that much better than the other because it's all about, you know, the peak at the right time in the playoffs. We did, but I really believe we were so much better than they were. So we had Dave Stewart on our last show, and he told us a story that when you guys go back in Arizona, that it was really competitive. And he mentioned that you drilled Jose in the ribs, not on purpose, <laughs> but you would have hit Jose. Yeah, you know, I had to face like three, four, five in our lineup, the inning that I had to pitch, right? So when Hosey walks up to the plate, he's pointing to center field like he's going to take me deep, like he's Babe Ruth. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so I swear to God, everybody will say that I hit him on purpose. First pitch, I hit him right in the back. And he was like, he couldn't believe it. And, and he's like, going to charge the mound. It was crazy. <laughs> but to this day, I didn't mean to hit him, but I could act like Macho Man and said I, I did. But it was, it, was, it was something you wouldn't believe. How important was it for you guys to go to Arizona and, and keep that competitive edge? Well, the problem, as if you remember, is, you know, the Bay Area was like so solemn, to say the least. I mean, devastated. You know, it was just like 9-11 in a way. And we just decided to get out of town. 
you know, to change that. And it really helped. It just, you know, changed the place and, and went down to Phoenix and felt like we, you know, we got it back together again. And it's just a new, more vigor when we came back. And I think that was the key. It really was. You know, when I look at your career stats, like I said, coming in, you know, Hall of Famer, what's so unique is the amount of wins and the amount of saves. Nobody else in the history of the game has that. When you look at 197 wins and 390 saves, when you think back on your 24-year career, what's the thought process when you think of, like, starting, relieving? No one's done it ever like you did it. But it's all timing. It's like timing with life. Really, the right place, the right time, you make the most of it. And I came in at a time whether whether Tony created that one inning save or whatever it was, you know, gave me and the timing of my career going from a starter to a reliever. I got sober. The timing was incredible from the time I got sober and going straight to the bullpen. You know, you're not going to save that many games back in the olden days because you got to go two or three innings. I, you know, I was getting older. I mean, the timing was perfect. And I had a chip on my shoulder. I had something to prove. I was with a great club that you can't, you can't deny. You know, we were great for five years. Should have won at three. So the, I was, all the stars were lined up, man. And it was a blessing. And I took, I made, I, you know, I didn't take it for granted, but I took it to the house, man. I took it, I ran with it. Yo, and, 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 you know, Tony La Russa's in the Hall of Fame, and we only put managers in the Hall of Fame. And I think that's wrong because Dave Duncan is truly one of the great pitching coaches of all time. Look what he did with you. Look what he did with Dave Stewart. Look what he did in St. Louis. Give me the case why Dave Duncan should be in the Hall of Fame. Well, I mean, the the case is there. I mean, I I think it starts with uh, Dunk. There's a lot of guys. Because you, know, you ask Tony, LaRusso will tell you, Charlie Lau, remember Charlie Lau kind of changed the game with that batting, you know, uh, uh, the way he hit, he taught hitting. I mean, you go go back to a lot of coaches, but it's undeniable what Dave Duncan did with all those reclamation projects, you know, guys that pitch, they're almost done and end up turning their careers around, and all the success he's had with Tony. I mean, it's, the time is, it's ripe to have, you know, voting for a coach every year just like they do with a broadcaster or whatever you know have that a coach once a year go to the hall of fame and next thing you know you're going to have guys that deserve to be there make it let's end on this with only yeah. 60 games are you going to be shocked by anybody getting into the playoffs no none especially well they they may, you never know, they may still go back to those 16 games. Uh, you know, it remains to be seen in the next couple of weeks. I don't know. But anyway, if it is just 10 teams, I will not be shocked because every one of those teams has a run. I'll tell you what, you just can't start off 5 and 10. <laughs> That's <laughs> what you have to stay away from. <laughs> and we've been joking because the A's – you know, in the last 20 years, traditionally start out slow. It's almost like Bob Melvin has to have the speech. Hey, guys, act like you've been playing the last couple months, and uh, you need to get hot right out of the gate. Yeah, something to be said for the A's. Let me tell you something. That's that was best team around that had to have lost those one-game playoffs is, is an absolute crime. It's a shame. It really is because this is the team, to me, that is ready. They've been ready. 
you know, and you don't get these chances. I mean, they are primed to win the whole thing. Now, whether or not it's this 60-game season, I just hate to see what the A's have done and not, you know, had a chance to win the whole thing. Eck, it's always an honor to have you on the program. We truly appreciate it. Be safe and uh, can't wait to see. I don't know when it will be because you guys are going to be playing on the East Coast, but good luck to the Red Sox. Have some great broadcasts, and we'll talk to you soon. Great, great. Love talking to you. Thanks, man. How cool is that guy? I mean, he's just, he's one of the coolest big leaguers I've ever met. I'll just never forget when we were at the reunion last year for the 30-year reunion when we were on the field, and we were talking to Ricky and and uh, and Sandy, and then you saw Eck, and you're like, we got to get Eck on. And Eck came over for like four minutes, and I don't think I've ever seen you more excited to talk to somebody in my life than when Eck came over for like literally four minutes, and then he had to leave. And then we ended up getting on later on so you could have, we could have more time with him. But one of the coolest guys you'll ever meet in person. Uh, I really enjoyed being around him and getting and getting to meet him. So that was a cool experience for me, too. You know, in high school, I was a starter. In college, I, I was in the bullpen for the majority of my college career. And he was the premier guy. And I was living here. And I was watching it. He's Dennis Eckersley. Let's go over that again. All the wins and saves, nobody has done that. Nobody. John Schmoltz didn't have the role long enough. Do you have almost 200 wins and almost 400 saves? Now, Cody doesn't care about any of those numbers, but uh, I still do. I care about saves. That's that's that, And he's right. It had to, had to, the stars had to align. He got sober. He got to a, a, a wrecking ball team. I've often wondered, what if Nolan Ryan got drafted by the A's? Was Nolan Ryan drafted or is he, is he too yeah, old? He was drafted in, uh, no, he's drafted in 60. I want to say he was drafted in the first draft by the, uh, by the, the, uh, the Mets. I mean, look, I'll look. I'll pull it up again. I thought the he, Indians took Ray Fossey over Nolan Ryan. Yeah, that's well. That's what happened. And remember, Tom Seaver was in that draft too, and so was Johnny Bench. Yeah, 1965. Uh, he was drafted in the 12th round out of Alvin High School in Alvin, Texas. So, just just think about this for a moment. What if? And it's a big what if. What if Nolan Ryan? Played his whole career for the A's. So he would have got through that great run in the 70s. Run in the early 80s. Major run late 80s through the 90s. He would have won well over 400 games. Nolan Ryan played on some really bad teams. Some bad Angel teams, some bad Astros teams, some bad Ranger. I mean, there was every once in a while. You know, because we saw him pitch in the playoffs with, with the Houston Astros. But for the majority of his career, he was not on great teams. If he would have been with the A's and gone through the different runs, he would have easily won over 400 games. All righty, let's get to a little buying or selling. 
It's time for buying or selling. Sell, sell. Right now with Chris Townsend on A's Cast Live. All right, so uh, if people want to have some weekend listening, uh, we'll have best of the week of A's Cast Live with Will Clark and Dave Jervecki, Stu, Eck. Um, I, I feel like I'm forgetting Terry Steinbach, Fossey, uh, Matt Vasgersian all coming up. But next on A's Cast, you're going to have the A's 89th win of the 2019 season on the road in the old ballpark in Texas versus the Rangers. Ryan Buckter uh, got the win, gets the win for the A's. Buchter. Buchter, sorry. I mean, he's with the Angels now. Buchter gets the win, and Liam Hendricks gets his 22nd save of the season. The A's offense is powered by four home runs by Matt Chapman, number 33, Mark Canna, home run number 24, Josh Fagley, remember him, now of the Cubs, with his 12th, and Matt Olson hit his 34th home run of the season. So that's next on A's cast, the A's 89th win of 2019 versus the Texas Rangers. So this season's going to be a lot of fun. 60 games is a full-out sprint, and a lot of teams need to come together quickly. The one team I keep hearing about, and I'm sure you have too, about as better equipped than anyone to come together is the Tampa Bay Rays. They are red, they are led by our good friend Cashy, and they won 96 games last year. A wild card game berth, and then they lost they lost in the ALDS last year to the Houston Astros. They have a great clubhouse and added Hunter Renfro in the offseason while trading away Tommy Pham. They're getting pitchers like Blake Snell, Tyler Glass now, and others back healthy and have the deepest bullpen in baseball, arguably. But they still have to play the Yankees, the Mets, the Nationals, and other teams now that are in their geographic region, the Braves as well. Buying or selling the hype surrounding the Tampa Bay Rays? Buying. Got a lot of young power arms. And the bullpen, they're too. Gonna be, they're going to be coming off. You know, th- th- this team's going to have some – they got some swagger. And, you know, they battled Houston. And that battle hardens you. I'm bu- I'm buying the Rays. They're going to be very good. I agree. Uh, I think with the, with the guys coming back like Snell and Glass now and another year of Charlie Morton, their bullpen with, you know, Castillo and, and Al- uh, Alvarado, these guys, Chaz Rowe, uh, they have guys in their bullpen that never heard of before, but they're all really, really nasty and they're really Ooh. good. Yeah, exactly. But they're good. This You can say who about any of those guys in their bullpen, but they're all really good. So this baseball season will be historic. We will never see anything like it again. And every team is in it to win it besides maybe the Orioles and, and the Tigers and a few other teams. The Indians are a fascinating team. Francisco Lindor is a free agent after the 2022 season. But a lot of experts are picking them to picking him, meaning Lindor, to win the AL MVP and the Indians to possibly make the playoffs because of the management style of Terry Francona and being able to rally the troops. But a lot of rumors are circling that Lindor could be traded. Now, Jason Stark joked in his article about the weird things we can see this season that he puts the first Lindor trade rumor happening on July 25th, the second day of the season. Because remember, once the season starts, it's 38 days till the trade deadline, which is pretty remarkable. Buying or selling, Francisco Lindor will be on the Indians after August 31st. I'm going to sell that. I think he gets traded. Especially if they don't get off to a good start. I hate to say it because I hate seeing guys from small market teams get traded. I like to see them, but, you know, I always have a lot of hope that they're going to stay there, but I'm with you. I think they're going to end up trying to move them because, I mean, what are you going to do? You'll hold out hope to trade them in the offseason when we don't know what the offseason is going to look like, and then you have 2021, and who knows what's going to happen after 2021 to the collective bargaining agreement. So I'm with you. I think they move them too. Now, this I wrote this before we talked to Cavill about the cutouts 
uh, cutout fans. So this is a, a thing I fought from ESPN. In a letter sent to season ticket holders on Thursday, the Giants announced that games at Oracle Park will be played without fans due to the coronavirus pandemic. But the team will allow season ticket holders to send in an image of themselves to be placed on a cutout that will be displayed in the stands during home games. Calling it the Giants Fan Cutout Program, the team said the cutouts will be an opportunity for fans to be at Oracle Park even when you're home watching the game. The cutouts will be made of waterproof material and will be placed as close to the season ticket holders' seats as possible, according to the Giants. Now, for only a $99 fee, the team is also giving the option for non-season ticket holders to have their cutout images displayed in the stands. Buying or selling the fan cutout program that we could see in ballparks this year. Yeah, I like it. I think it's really cool. I think I think if you, you want to have your you can you can literally tell people I was at the game because you were technically there just not in person. All right, now we can finally get to the ones I really want to get to. Two of the better streaks in baseball are the ones people don't talk about enough, and it involves the Mariners and the Padres. The Mariners have been a franchise since 1977 and made the playoffs four times. They've never reached the World Series after winning 116 games in 2001. Speaking of 01, they had the longest playoff job because they've made the playoffs since 2001. The San Diego Padres entered the league in 1969. They've reached the World Series twice. They lost both times, sadly, to Detroit and the Yankees. They have not reached a playoff game since 2006. That makes, but they've made it five times overall. They've gone over 8,000 games without a no-hitter. So buying or selling, the Seattle Mariners will reach the World Series before the Padres throw a no-hitter. Selling. <laughs> It's going to be, I mean, it's going to, and this kind of problem, this kind of a problem with baseball is you got a bunch of teams that are not trying to win. They're tanking and the Mariners are one of them. So anybody can throw a no hitter. These, I mean, with all the swings and misses at some point, somebody for the Padres is going to throw a no hitter. They must have one last year, but there was a, the team they're facing broke it up. That would be my beloved to Pittsburgh Pirates ended the, the no hit bid for the Padres. The Mariners, their best chance was uh, 19 years ago when they won 116 games and they lost in the first round. And they won 95 against when they won that playoff series against the Yankees and they lost in the uh, AL, one of the ALCS. I forget who they lost. The Indians. So that was the last chance. It's tough, but I, I, I think I think the Mariners make the World Series before the Padres do it. I mean, the Padres have got a lot of young arms coming up, so I'm just going to be contrarian to take the, uh, the Mariners here. All right, last one. Randy Johnson and Greg Maddox won the Cy Young four years in a row in different times in the National League. They are both in the Hall of Fame. Ten other players have won the award three times. Seven are in the Hall of Fame. Clemens is not yet. And Scherzer and Kershaw are still active. While Jacob deGrom has a chance to make history this year, he's going for his third straight Cy Young award. He's also going for his third straight season with an ERA under two and a half. Just 27 starting pitchers since 1920 have had three seasons in their career with ERAs under two and a half. Maddox and Juan Marichal have the most with six apiece. Buying or selling, Jacob deGrom will win his third straight NL Cy Young Award. God, he's only got 12 starts. You're going to give a guy a Cy Young that has 12 starts? How soft is that? He'll I told you, he'll probably win 10 games and we'll anoint him as the greatest pitcher ever because he actually won games in a shortened season. <laughs> So I'm buying or selling whether he'll win the Cy Young Award? Yes. I'm going to sell. Because now you're taking on the Braves. You're taking on the Rays. You're taking on the Yankees, the Red Sox. His competition just got a little stiffer. 
I'm just trying to think of guys who could win it in the National League. The, 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 the Nationals, they're going to be playing with them, right? Yeah. Phillies, who everyone loves this year for some reason because they signed because they signed Zach Wheeler. They're going to be a World Series team, apparently. Stop. Stop with the Phillies love. They're not – They're not. no. I mean, I like Joe Girardi too, but, I mean, Gabe Kapler had them playing well and they collapsed the last two years. So what, what makes you think they're going to be any better this year? We'll see. All right. We will be back on Monday. We've got a full weekend for you. Games, best ofs. The, the what do we build, got on Monday? The build with Dave Cavill will be up as well. Dave Cavill's been updated. We've recently talked with Bob Melvin and David Forrest. We got you covered. And hopefully we'll have more news about what this season is going to look like when we get back to you on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody. Be safe and thank you for listening to A's Cast Live. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.